fight on. And there'll be more on this story coming up next with Ian Lee. A public meeting is being held later to discuss the sudden closure of a GP surgery in Milton Keynes. The Will and Village surgery shut last week when one of its doctors resigned. The other has been suspended and it's emerged that he prescribed too many pills to a vulnerable patient. Jessica Cooper has the details. Dr Okafor was a GP at Will and Village surgery but was suspended from practising by the General Medical Council in November. An inquest heard that he'd prescribed tablets to a patient without noticing information relating to self-harm. 68-year-old Jean Howard was found dead at her home in September after taking a large quantity of pills. Milton Keynes coroner Tom Osborne wrote to the Care Quality Commission asking for an urgent review into prescribing procedures to make sure patients weren't at risk in future. Prince Harry and the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge will be visiting Hertfordshire today. They'll be attending the official inauguration of Leaveston Studios, as Lee Agnew reports. As well as meeting some of the studio's production team, the Royal Party will embark on the highly successful Harry Potter tour, which opened last year. Warner Brothers are completing a £100 million redevelopment of the site and is the only filming facility in the country to be operated by a major Hollywood studio. Formerly the production home of all eight Harry Potter films, GoldenEye and Star Wars Episode I, the studios now include nine sound stages, a 100-acre backlot and one of the largest underwater filming tanks in Europe. In sport, Luton Town won their final home game of the season last night, beating Ebbsfleet 2-0 at Kenilworth Road. Both goals were scored by Alex Wall. The weather, rain to start, but drier and brighter later with a top temperature of 13 degrees Celsius, that's 55 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I completely agree. We have a, a deputy producer standing in today, and he gave me some very strong words of advice before the show went on. He said, Ian, don't be rubbish. And uh, I've already disproved uh, that. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. There's the feel of the last day of term about the, uh, the studios this morning. Some super strong coffee has been brought in, and I think we're all... Well, I'm, I'm going to say it. I think we're all a little bit high. We've all got a caffeine uh, rush. It was number four in strength. I think it goes up to six. So this is pretty strong stuff. So if we get a, a case of the giggles or, you know, things go wrong, don't judge us. We just, you know, off our faces. Lots coming up on the show this morning. Some serious, some not quite so serious. Uh, as always, keen to get your views on these stories. Including a Luton-based Muslim group says we're soft on extremism after the sentencing of four men from the town on terrorism charges. We'll hear from them. Should we get rid of long school holidays and make children do full days work? Well, Education Secretary Michael Gove is in the papers today saying we should. But aren't school holidays the best days of our lives? And Luton Town Football Club played their last home game of the season last night. It's their worst season in history. We'll get the latest from our sports reporter, Justin Dealey. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or the switchboards are free. Who's going to be the first caller to the show? It could be you. 08 459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
08459 is the telephone number. A Luton-based Muslim organisation which works towards better community relations says we're getting soft on extremism. Its chair, Akbar Dad Khan, is calling on the government to do more to try and stop its spread in this country. His comments come after the sentencing of four men yesterday, all from Luton, who pleaded guilty to terror charges, including discussing blowing up the TA centre in the town. Akbar Dadkhan is the chair of Building Bridges. Soft ex- extremism has perhaps been accepted by the establishment. Um, looking over the last two decades or so, uh, this uh, soft extremism uh, is prevalent in the society and nothing has been done to, to undo it uh, uh, and, uh, and that soft extremism gives uh, uh, elbow to uh, extremism. People should be paying attention to, uh, to uh, that how they should be dealing with, with this softer kind of extremism which is uh, affecting the lives of the Muslim communities not, not, not always for the better but uh, for the worse as well. Well earlier this week I spoke to Professor Anthony Gleese, the Director for the Centre for Security and Intelligence Studies at the University of Buckingham. We can be proud of our counter-terrorist police, we can be proud of MI5 and increasingly one would hope that people in Muslim communities would follow the mantra, if you suspect it, report it. But Luton has become a problem area and uh, it's absolutely right that people look carefully at what's going on in Luton and that we continue to develop uh, ways of preventing otherwise decent people from accepting a perverted form of Islam that wants to blow us up. Well, uh, our reporter Justin Dealey has been speaking to people in Luton and getting their reaction. Good morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. Interesting views from Anthony Glees there, saying that Luton is definitely a problem area. Of course, some people would completely disagree with that, but um, he's quite clear on his views when he spoke to you earlier in the week. I've been speaking to people in Luton about how concerned they are about terror crimes in the town, Ian, and this is what people had to say. It is a concern that they're making these homemade bomb devices at home. If it goes wrong, then we're going up with it, aren't we? So, yeah, it is is a concern. And when you say to people you're from Luton, do you get that look? Every time. Every time. My friend lives in Yarmouth. We go up there about six, seven times a year. And, you know, if you, when they say, oh, where are you from? You say Luton. They're Luton? You know, they all repeat it after you, don't they? What, you're from Luton? Yeah, they do, yeah. So it is, you do get a funny look when you say you're from Luton. And what would you say to anybody who says Luton's a completely safe town, there's no terrorists that live here? What would you say to those people? I think they're deluded. You've got to watch your back. It's just not good. It's not safe. But in terms of, of terrorists living here in your I mean, town, how does that make you feel? How does it make me feel? You're, like, furious, really. I mean, it's just not good. I mean, why can't everybody just get on? You mean, we're all on this planet together, so just get on with it. More concerned than I should be. It's more than a small minority, it seems to be. It seems to be the views are perpetrated quite a lot, and it's quite open. If you go to certain areas of the town, they're quite um, in your face about it. I have very good Muslim friends, and I know they're horrified by... Most of my Muslim friends are very moderate, and again, and most of my people that I know are Muslim that are very moderate, very nice people. And it's embarrassing, I'm sure, for them. I think some of them are quite mortified, and it's almost always, you hear the news, it's... You close to I hope it's not it's Luton involved again, but sadly so. Like the recent incident, it, it is, and it's, uh, it's embarrassing. 
So, Justin, uh, obviously people there seem to be slightly concerned about what this says about Luton. Absolutely. I think it was fascinating hearing those views. Uh, the First Lady in particular, when she says to people she's from Luton, they associate her and the town with 7-7. I find that incredible. And also the man at the end there, some very strong views. He's saying, well, this is more than just a small minority. These are people who have lived here for many, many years. These are people with views about the town. And he's saying that, that now this is more than just a small minority in Luton. Justin Dilly, excellent stuff. Thank you very much. We'll speak to you later on in the show. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Are we soft on extremism, do you think? Not quite sure what that means. It's not tolerated, is it? So, 08459 455 555.
Dexies. I do like Dexies. I think they're good. I've never heard any of their albums. I wonder if the other albums are any good. I'm, I'm kind of tempted. Part of me feels I have too much music in my life already. I can't stay... Uh, I'm going to be 40 uh, in a couple of months. I can't start gambling with, with music. I can't. I haven't got time to take the risk on buying an album on the off chance it might be okay. Speaking of albums and records and things like that, it's National Record Shop Day or something tomorrow. We're kind of celebrating it. We've got a record shop owner coming in a bit later on. Amazingly, sales uh, are up 15% and the UK is the third largest buyer of vinyl. Well, it begs the question, what was the last vinyl you bought? I don't mean the vinyl flooring, you idiot. I mean a record. I'm constantly buying records, not from shops. Get them from the eBay, the Electronic Bay. What was the last record you bought? 08459 455 555. Mine, obviously, are all Monkeys records. My wife has told me off for buying too much stuff from eBay. I had an email on Monday saying, Ian, another package from uh, America. Just wondered, maybe, perhaps you should stop buying this stuff. So I've had to knock that on the head. What was the last record you bought? When was the last time you even went into a record shop? So many of them are closing, and there's nothing better than going into a record shop and just thumbing through the records. I love fingering a bit of vinyl, but people don't do it. You can't do that with CDs. You can't do that with MP3s. Oh, have you looked in the iTunes store? It's soulless. 08459 455 555. Right, 6.15. Here's the travel news now with Brooke Burfitt. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's not looking too bad at all on the roads, I'm pleased to say. I can't spot any problems on the major A routes, and there are no delays on my speed sensors on the motorways. There are roadworks, though, on the M25 in both directions, between Junction 23 for South Mims to 25 for Enfield. That usually causes some problems during rush hour. And in Aston at Clinton, the A41 is a lane closed for works near the Woodlands Roundabout. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Brooke. Morning, it's 6.15, it's Friday the 19th of April, I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A group set up to improve relations between Muslims and the wider community in Luton is calling for tougher action on extremism. Plans for the expansion or creation of seven gypsy sites in central Bedfordshire have been approved despite fierce local objection. In sport, Luton Town won their final home game of the season last night, beating Ebbsfleet United 2-0. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Rain to start, drier and brighter later with a top temperature of 13 degrees. Coming up, as many as 200 protesters against gypsy and traveller sites in central Bedfordshire attended last night's council meeting. The full council voted in favour of creating or extending seven sites across the county. We'll hear more before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that. I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? <laughs> Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't want to do is take any risks with the capital itself. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. I haven't slept at all day. 
Three Counties Radio. We've got, we've got a harp on the show before uh, before nine o'clock. Playing, I think, some heavy metal. I'm not, I'm not completely sure. Manny Eileen's coming up in about 30 minutes. If you want to take part in the show this morning, you can. 08459 455 555. Now, as many as 200 protesters against gypsy and traveller sites in central Bedfordshire attended last night's council meeting. The full council voted in favour of creating or extending seven sites across the county, which have been controversial and covered in depth on this programme. Well, Richard Beechner is from the Barton Leclay Residence Action Group. He's also the owner of Faldo Farm, which is next to one of the sites proposed. Morning, Richard. Good morning there. Richard, well, yeah, fine, thank you. What was the final decision last night? 
The final decision was that the, the motion to approve those sites was carried. Uh, what was surprising, I think, was the amount of comments against the proposal by councillors that are not directly involved. How significant were those numbers? Well, uh, of the 60-odd councillors that were there, only 37 voted in favour. Uh, so there are a good 15 or 16 that either voted against or abstained. Where does this leave you now, Richard? Uh, it leaves us still in the middle of the process. This is the start. There is now a full consultation, and then followed by planning inspectorate will review the decision. And one of the important things he's going to review is the soundness of the, of the approach that the council has taken. Much was said by councillors saying the process is flawed and they want the council to think again. So you won't necessarily be challenging uh, the, the decision itself, but the way the decision was, was reached. And, and do you hope that that would overturn the decision completely or just stall things? I think there are two principles at work here. An awful lot of people don't think the council have gone about this in the right way. How, how have they come to the number of pitches that need to be allocated? And how have they then chosen various sites using the selection criteria that they themselves have published? There's an awful lot of unease that the council is doing this wrong. But notwithstanding that, the particular site that I'm next to seems to have some very strategic flaws for example, putting Traveller Gypsy site slap next door to a 70-mile-hour dual carriageway. The, the, the councils do have to find these sites, don't they? And do have to make these sites somewhere. Uh, you're not going to be able to stop them happening. Uh, what do you hope to achieve? Is, is this just NIMBYism, Richard? No, I think there's a wider principle here. Yes, local government appears to be told by central government we have to find some pitches and accommodate travellers. But council have not won the hearts and minds of the rural community here. They have not engaged us and come to say, well, this is what we need to do, and this is what we would like to try and find in your community. They have imposed upon us sites. And it was extraordinary as to how many villages were opposing the particular site that's been chosen. I fear that the council have looked at half of the possible locations because they have only looked at their own land if they engaged other land owners and were genuine about trying to integrate traveler site within the community they wouldn't impose sites upon the communities they would talk to the communities first and say we need your help here we do think we need to find a few traveler sites in your area perhaps five and then say to the local community, where would you like to try and integrate them? Where would you put the sites? Where would you be happy to put the sites, Richard? Well, there are areas of the local community that we haven't even looked at. There may well be corners of farms, there may well be corners of public spaces that, by agreement, by forming a plan, the community can say, yeah, that's a good place. What we do know is we've been given sites to argue against. We haven't really been engaged in trying to be positive. They may argue that they've asked for help, but in the usual way, they haven't knocked on our doors. They've said, all oh, we consulted. Well, we don't see the consultation. We don't know where they advertise it. So I would say to Councillor Young, who's proposing this on behalf of Central Beds, let's start again. 
let's make absolutely sure there are the right number of sites being proposed and then see where that takes us because all we're doing is fighting against an imposed proposal and then we're fighting one village against the next to say well why hasn't that village got some we shouldn't have it here but as i say it's not nimbyism it's the fact that sites are inappropriate in their location Richard, thank you very much indeed. Richard Beechner from Barton Le Clay, quite a good voice. I think I've got an impressive um, quite soulful voice. I do, yeah. I was really singing along to the Beach Boys there, as I often do. One of my favourites. And I just thought, yeah, well, do, do you know what? Okay, at some point, um, before Christmas, we're going to go out for a team karaoke session. That'll be lots of fun. Hey, you guys can come too, although I'm not going to tell you when or indeed where it's happening. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's National Record Shop Day tomorrow. I may have got the title slightly wrong, but we're celebrating the magic of records. LPs, vinyls, as some of you like to call them. When was the last time you bought a proper record? And I've got a sealed Monkeys record, Changes, from 1969, 1970. It's sealed, never been opened. And one day, when I'm very sad and lonely and old, I'm going to get a, a knife, I'm going to slowly cut open the, the covering, and I'm going to take a deep breath of 1969. I'm going to smell 1969 for all its pot-infused glory, because that's what they were all doing in the 60s. What was the last record you bought, dear listener? 08459 555555. Well, let's get the travel news now. Here's Brooke Burfitt. 
Beds and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you and good morning. Still no major problems reported on the roads. It's not looking too bad at all on the motorways or the major A routes on my cameras. There are roadworks, of course, and they may cause problems later, like in Denham. Denham Avenue has electricity work around Tilehouse Lane. And in Kingswood, the A41, that has temporary lights up around works near Grendon Road. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Brooke. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. With the 6.30 headlines, I'm Catherine Boyle. A group set up to improve relations between Muslims and the wider community in Luton is calling for tougher action on extremism. The FBI has released photos and video footage of two suspects they want to speak to in connection with the bombing at the Boston Marathon. And plans for the expansion or creation of seven gypsy sites in central Bedfordshire have been approved despite fierce local objection. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton Town won their final home game of the season last night. The Hatters beat Ebbsfleet United 2-0 at Kenilworth Road with both goals scored by Alex Wall. Luton's assistant manager Terry Harris was pleased with the end-of-season home win. It's nice to finish uh, you know, home games with, with, with a victory and um, you know, um, hopefully now we, we can sort of move on to Saturday, um, get a good result with Southport and then, and then start preparing for next season. Watford are at home to Blackburn in the Championship tomorrow. The Hornets will need to win their final three games of the season and hope holes slip up if they're to gain automatic promotion. MK Dons must beat Scunthorpe tomorrow to stand any chance of reaching the League One playoffs. It's their penultimate game of the season and the Dons are four points from Swindon who are in the final playoff position. MK fans also have something else to look forward to tomorrow. I believe we're going to wear our new kit at the weekend to show the fans what we're going to be all about next season. I think it's a wonderful style of kit. It's very poor Weller type and that that sort of type of style I think it really is a good looking kit and we're obviously new kit we have a decent crowd and we're still living hope Mod footballers and Stevenage, Wickham, Saracens and Bedford all play tomorrow as well. Sarri's prop, Mako Vinipola, has won the Land Rover Discovery of the Month Player Award for March. Uh, in Formula One, Jensen Button says drivers must place their trust in the sports authorities in spite of safety concerns ahead of this weekend's Bahrain Grand Prix. First practice gets underway at 8 o'clock this morning. And doctors say they expect champion jump jockey AP McCoy to be released from hospital today after he bruised ribs, his ribs in a heavy fall at Cheltenham yesterday. McCoy plans to resume riding at Ireland's Punchtown Festival next week. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. Did he say the football kit was a bit... A bit Paul Weller. A bit Paul Weller, isn't it? A bit Paul Weller. <laughs> what, does that, what does that mean in terms of football kit? I, I'm imagining old school Adidas, you know, that kind of... That's a bit Paul Weller. Slim fit. What well, means it hasn't been good for 25 years. <gasps> you can't say that about Paul Weller. Oh, you take that back. Sally Roach. No, dear. That was 20 years this ago, woman. Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Stanley Road was literally 20 years ago. It was. I remember, yes, it was. I was 20, 21, maybe 18 years ago. I'll give you that. Uh, morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up this morning, including uh, Luton Town's last home match last night. We'll be talking uh, to Nanny Eilid. And also, there's a story on the front page of a lot of the papers this morning. Uh, Michael Gove wants to change the way schools are run in as much as he wants to cut the school holidays. Here's from the front page of The Telegraph. School holidays may be reduced amid government claims the education system is stuck in a 19th century timetable. He also wants to um, 
change the working day for school children. I think it's something like 8.30 to 3 or 9 till 3.30, something like that. He wants to make it 9 till 5. Working 9 till 5, what a way to earn a living. Barely getting by, it's all taking and no giving. What do you think about that? If you're a parent, does that... Does that sit comfortably with you? I mean, it's all right for us. We haven't got to do it. But I know that if I was 13, 14, working nine to five, I'd go bonkers. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us your views on that. Luton Town won a football game last night. Well done. Come on, you hatters. Come on, you hatters. Uh, They won 2-0 against Ebbsfleet in their last home game of the season. Uh, Despite the win, it will go down as one of the worst seasons ever for Luton, failing even to make the playoffs to make a return to the Football League. Well, our uh, Luton Town correspondent, Justin Dealey, was at the game last night to capture reaction from the fans on what's been. It's been a very disappointing season. Kath, we'll come to you in a bit. Calm down. It's been a very disappointing season, hasn't it, Justin? It has. Why am I even talking to you? Paul Weller has done nothing good for 20, 25 years. What planet are you living on? Last week, the Rolling Stones. This week, Paul Weller. Hang on a second. Let's, let's deal with this issue. Yes, well, what's, yes. what, what good things he's done in the last 20 years? Loads of great things. Tell Loads me. great cover albums. Tell, tell me. He's <laughs> done some great cover albums. Oh, well yeah. done. Yeah, that's yeah, hard, isn't it? good material. You can't say Paul Weller's rubbish. Come on, he's good. For the, for the fourth time, Justin, yes. I don't want to go a Paxo <laughs> on you, but for the fourth time... Name some good stuff he's done. Okay, I can't think of songs uh, to hand. Thank okay, you but, very much. But he's still a legend. Come on. No well, he may be, listen, he may be a legend. Paul McCartney's mm. a legend, but he's done nothing good in 30 years. Mm, yeah, take your point. Take Justin, your point. Luke, listen, stop trying to fudge the fact that your football team have been rubbish <laughs> this season. <laughs> it's not been a great season. In actual fact, it has been the worst season of all time for Luton Town. Some people would say, well, why? They haven't been relegated. They're currently in the fifth tier of English football. They're currently ninth in the conference. That's simply is not good enough for Luton Town. At the start of the season, you expected them to, to get promoted, certainly to be in the playoffs, but but that hasn't happened. It's been so, so disappointing. I was at the game last night. They won 2-0, two goals from Alex Wall. I was asking the fans about what's gone so wrong this season and what their highlights were. Uh, it's been very frustrating, I think due to the lack of consistency rather than anything else. Um, just not very good performances on a regular basis. The club has 3,700 season ticket holders. You're one of those. Will you be renewing for next season? Of course I will. I'm that stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a case of you being stupid or are you just a a really, really passionate fan like most people here at Kenilworth Road? No, I I enjoy my football and I'd rather come down to a ground and watch my local club rather than watching someone on the TV once a week. Two highlights for me this season have been Andre Gray. I think has been absolutely superb for the town this season. Game-wise, I would say the Wolves game here, for me, was a, a real, real good game of football. I thought we deserved everything on that day. I think the game away at Norwich, we did very well. We were lucky. Well, I think we were lucky to get the win, to be fair. Norwich didn't play that badly. But uh, overall, I think we've had a okay season. But I mean, you're a season ticket holder, but like 3,700 people. Will you be renewing for next season? Absolutely. I can't go anywhere else at the weekend. I travel 75 miles to get here every week, and really? I've travelled 120 to get here tonight, and I've been to every game this season, and I will not be going anywhere else. Well, that, those were the fans, Justin, yeah. not all of them, but although the majority. What did the players have to say? Well, in actual fact, 3,700 season ticket holders. I'm hearing rumours in, and people were asking me about this last night, whether you might be getting one for next season. I think I'm busy then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I'm busy next busy season. All 23 games. I yeah. Think it was your first game earlier against Millwall. Uh, the cup run certainly a high. Like, but in actual fact, season ticket sales, despite this season being absolutely dreadful, uh, 
the worst in living memory. Season ticket sales for next season compared to this time last year are in actual fact up. Uh, Here's something that's incredible. This is what the team should do, right, as an incentive. They should offer a cashback uh, system, right? So you, you buy... How, how much is a season ticket? Uh, about £300 for Okay, now. so you spend 300 That's not bad. You spend 300 quid on a ticket. If the season... Uh, if the club do really, really badly, as badly as they've done this year, you get, what, 75 quid back. <laughs> that makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, I think the club would be bankrupt, wouldn't they? Well, uh, you w- did, they, they, they need to work harder. People are paying them a lot of money to come and see them work harder. It's an interesting theory. Very, very interesting. I think w- what they're doing for next season, th- th- they're saying if you're an adult and you buy a season ticket, you get a free child. Oh, well, there we ticket, go. That's not bad. Which is certainly working. Yeah. But the players, clearly upset by their performances throughout the campaign. I asked Mark Tyler, Jake Howes and Scott Rendell to sum up the season, and this is what they said. Awful. Yeah, awful. Uh, start to finish. But we've got a new manager at the helm and uh, hopefully uh, you've seen how we're going to play and uh, hopefully we can get up to the League 2 next year. Not consistent enough, in my words. You know, we're, we're good enough, but we just didn't show it. And I think we let ourselves down, the fans down, the management down. Very disappointing. Obviously, we didn't expect to be where we are in the league um, come the first game in August. Um, so from that point of view, yeah, very, very disappointed. And... Um, we need to do much better as a group. Justin, finally, you are a big Luton Town fan. You've been watching them since you were a nipper. Mm. Uh, uh, disappointing season, isn't it? How, how does it make you feel as a fan? Well, not great. I think if you speak to, to a lot of fans, they are disappointed. In saying that, there has been a lot of optimism. But, but currently ninth in the league. Uh, we've got their last game tomorrow away at Southport. That's a 5.15 kick-off. It doesn't make you feel great. But the thing about Luton is, and, and you've been there, in, you will know that, that the fans that go week in, week out, they are loyal supporters. Yes. It doesn't matter what league Luton Town are in, they will be renewing their season tickets and they will be going into to the new season in August with optimism. There's always next season when you're a Luton Town supporter. Justin Dilly, thank you very much indeed. Sounded a little bit desperate at the end there, I thought. Clinging to some straws. I heard the straw rustling in the wind. We'll speak to Justin later on in the show. We'll find out about these changes to the school day that are being proposed next. I get tired and upset And I'm trying to care a little less When I Google I only get depressed I was taught to dodge those issues I was told Don't worry, there's no doubt There's always something to cry about When you're stuck in an angry crowd They don't think what they say before they open their
BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> what on earth happened there? I believe they had a breakdown, literally and musically. Now, school children should spend more hours at school each day and have shorter holidays. That's uh, according to the Education Secretary, Michael Gove. He added that current school terms were designed for an agricultural economy. Teaching unions have obviously disagreed. A political reporter, Paul Scoynes, is here. What exactly is Michael Gove saying? Well, Ian, he was speaking at a conference, and at that, he said that most successful East Asian school children uh, and their educational systems, they have uh, much longer school days and their holidays are also much shorter as well, and as a result, they're more successful in their schools at a younger age. And he said that uh, some of the best schools in this country already recognise that need to change not just the structure of the term but also how long they're at school uh, and some schools he said already looking at uh, elongating their hours i suppose my kids aren't at school yet so but i i imagine that, that shorter school holidays might be good for parents well now six weeks eight weeks something like that and you do have to maybe take time off work or find child care if you're if you're working mm. so p- perhaps parents might agree well the summer holidays certainly sort of tend to start in the middle of july and in some cases go through until the first week of September. So it can go for six weeks, uh, sometimes longer. And certainly if you're, uh, if you're sort of in that period between GCSE and A-level, uh, coming at the sort of end of your, of your school uh, sort of year, if you like, then, then it can be even longer than six weeks. It can be up to eight weeks. Um, what Michael Gove has said, that uh, he thinks it would be good for parents to have that sort of uh, that, that shorter holiday. He said that also, you know, the, the, the current system exists from a time when the majority of mothers stayed at home. He says that no, that world no longer exists. We can't afford to have an education system, he says, that was essentially set in the 19th century. He cites the cost of childcare very high, and he already says that a lot of schools are doing this. And I've just brought in in uh, Bedford Free School, yes, which is uh, it's been in. You know, this this program's covered it a lot. Uh, that's a typical school day. Starts at eight o'clock in the morning for breakfast club. For breakfast club, the actual lessons are between eight thirty and four fifteen. So it's already a slightly longer day anyway. But the children have the option uh, of of working through till six p.m. So that's what it's a long day for kids, isn't it? Uh, it's a very long day after four fifteen to six p.m. After school sp- support to include homework support, revision sessions. Uh, drop-in tutorials but parents will love that because you know it's it's a it's another way of childcare, i suppose and they can you know come home from work and still pick them up steve from luton has called in on this steve what what do you think about this plan to possibly have longer school days and shorter holidays yeah why not then the day kicks them off the street doesn't it kicks them into education and obviously saves a lot of parents a lot of childcare. do you think you would have their working day do you think you would have benefited from uh, longer school days Oh, I don't know. They didn't really bother in my in my time at school. <laughs> well, this is the thing. See, this is the thing. We can we can make these decisions because it won't affect us. And you, you know, you've you've admitted yeah. yourself that you sound like an intelligent chap, but you've admitted yourself that you didn't really bother with school. So no, it's, no, it's not what, not that I didn't bother. What I'm saying is the teachers didn't bother oh. with people that were below average. Know what I mean, and at the end of the day, there's thousands of people like me. But we've got through life. We battled on them, and, and we've made something of ourselves. You know what I mean? Without you know, the three R's and everything else. But don't get me wrong, I'd rather have the three R's and learn a lot more than I did at school. I learned more outside school than I did in school. Is it... Sh- shouldn't we let our children be children? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, there is that. Yeah, of course there is. I mean, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It, it probably, I mean, some kids might struggle with it, other kids might prosper with it. 
obviously they've got to be a, there has got to be a balance because obviously you're going to fry their brains, aren't you? They're going to be so fed up at school, but they're not going to turn up for one week, are they? Steve, listen, we've got to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. I, I, I don't think Michael Gove mentions frying their brains. I'm just. I don't think that's in the curriculum. That's not in there, Paul. The unions aren't happy, though, Ian. Are they not very quickly gone? Yeah, just so they're saying that uh, it's it's about quality, not quantity, and they already say that uh, schools in England have much shorter holidays than in some other countries. Paul, thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Steve thinks it's a good idea, but it's interesting, isn't it? We we can say this is adults. Oh, it's a good idea, but imagine what you were like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. You'd have you'd have hated it. Apart, only the SWATs would have enjoyed it. What do you think? Longer school days, shorter school holidays. 08459 455555. Right. Here's the travel news now. Here's Brooke. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, traffic is starting to build up on our roads with delays in Dunstable on the A505 heading towards Leighton Buzzard. There's a broken down tanker between the A5 and the total roundabout. That's partly blocking the way and it's causing delays as traffic slows down to get around that one. There's also roadworks on the M25 in both directions between Junction 23 for South Mims to 25 for Enfield. There's a speed restriction of 50 miles an hour and that usually causes some problems during rush hour. I've checked through all the timetables and no reports of any problems on the trains. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much indeed morning it's 6 47 it's friday the 19th of april i'm ian lee and these are your headlines on bbc three counties radio A group set up to improve relations between Muslims and the wider community in Luton says the government needs to get tougher on extremism. Plans for the expansion or creation of seven gypsy sites in central Bedfordshire were approved by the council last night. Local opponents are vowing to fight on. In sport, Luton Town won their final home game of the season last night, beating Ebbsfleet United 2-0. Coming up before seven, we'll be catching up with my adopted nanny Eileen to see what she's been up to and what she makes of the brand new BBC Introducing track. But before that, here's the weather with Elizabeth Rosini. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. It is a slightly cooler start to the day than we saw yesterday. We've got much lighter winds, but it's going to be another day of sunshine and showers, or that's what it will turn into, basically. We've got some outbreaks of rain through this morning, um, so certainly don't go outside without your coat today, um, and lots of quite thick cloud as well. That's going to clear. We'll see some brightness and some sunshine develop, and then what we're expecting into the afternoon is for lines of showers to again start forming. These showers are going to be quite slow-moving. They probably won't have quite the imp that they did yesterday or some of them did um, but there could be some very heavy downpours in places and I think they are going to line up so if you're underneath one I think you're definitely going to know about it most likely well quite likely just about everywhere but perhaps most likely over parts of uh, Bedfordshire and down through eastern areas of Hertfordshire into this afternoon um, so yeah the odd rumble or two of thunder could be expected at times perhaps even a little bit of hail temperatures between around 12 and 14 degrees Celsius as a high and that's really where we do get the best of the brightness and the sun Sunshine 57 in Fahrenheit. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping like a rock. It's going to be very cold indeed. Gardeners, watch out. There will be a widespread ground frost into tomorrow, even a few pockets of air frost. But it is looking like a fine and a dry weekend to compensate with some decent spells of sunshine on Saturday and on Sunday. If you're running the Mar- London Marathon, by the way, do wrap up nice and warmly in the morning with your bin bags because it's going to be a very nippy start. That's the forecast. With your bin bags? Yes, that's what you do. Well, this, before you even start the race, you wear a bin bag. Well, you've got to throw it away, haven't you? Just take a cardigan that you don't want. 
Then they watch you do. Oh, and then you don't want it. Yeah. That's very wasteful, Ian. Hmm. Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people. You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Genuinely, the highlight of my week is when we play a BBC Introducing track and we get to speak to my adopted nanny, Nanny Eileen. Good morning, Nanny Eileen. Good morning, Ian. Thank you for your lovely letter this week. You're very welcome. Always a pleasure to, to get letters. I haven't got your address, so I can't write back. I know. Oh, mysterious. Yes. Feisty, <laughs> I like it. Nanny Eileen, I said something earlier that has been deemed controversial. It started a Twitter war. I said, I don't think Paul Weller's done anything decent in 20 years. Are you a fan of Paul Weller? Um, I haven't heard of him. Oh, th- thank you. Well, there you oh. go. You, no, that's fine. He he was in the uh, pop group The Jam. Oh, I have heard of them, but I haven't actually heard them. Well, listen to the abuse I'm getting on the internet, Nanny Eileen. Uh, mm-hmm. Ian Morris, creator of The Inbetweeners, and yes, The Persuasionist, says, Oh, no, 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 no. So wrong. I love you, but come on. Um, Warren Waldridge says, I think The Jam are one of the great British bands, and what has come after doesn't matter. Um, and then David says, uh, completely agree. Overrated and a little bit dull. Oh, wait, 459, 455, 555. The Great Weller debate rages. <laughs> now, Nanny Island, you lead one of the most busy social lives uh, of anyone I've ever spoken to. What have you been up to this week? I was circle dancing Tuesday. What does circle dancing mean? Um, well, it, you hold hands in a circle and dance. Oh, there we go, yes, that, um, that would be it. And think back to country dancing that kids used to do at school. Ah. It's lovely because you don't need a partner. You can go along. It's very friendly. Um, you're taught the steps before you do a dance. It's um, a lot of them are old English dances and dances from all around the world. The Greek ones are most fun because they get faster and faster, and you the, get legs in a tangle. My uh, wife is half Greek, and we had loads oh, of um, she? yes, we had loads of drunk Greeks at my wedding, and we oh. had some Greek dancing. Yeah. Enough hard work. I know. It's, it's hard work. How, did your legs survive it? Because you have to do lots of bouncing and kicking, don't you? Um, well, you sort of modify it. You modify really, it yes. <laughs> to suit your needs. To suit one's needs. And so yes. how many people go to this circle dancing? It um, sounds like fun. Well, it varies. There were only five of us last week, but I think people had got other commitments. Yeah. It's how it works out. But yeah. Five was well, it was more like a um, a half circle than a, <laughs> a semicircle. <laughs> yeah, semicircle. Or some of the dances are free dances where you just do your own thing, but it's fun. It's a bit of fun and it keeps you active, which it is a, I do like my. I'm not a very good dancer, but now I've got two little boys, three and one. Yes. Particularly the one year old. Whenever some music comes on the TV or the radio, he gets up and he has a little boogie. Oh, brilliant. He has a little boogie. And so I'm, I'm with the boys and we all will stand up and we'll all have a little dance around. Aww. It is good fun, isn't it? Oh, lovely. I'd love to see that. Well, I, if I had an address, I could send you a photo, but I don't. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend, Nanny Island? Um, well, on Sunday, we're going to Beddington Park um, for a family picnic. Oh, fantastic. It's Earth Healing Day, which is... A, um Well, it's about the exploitation and pollution of the world, and, you know... And are you for or against that? Well, exploitation and pollution against... You're against that. Just clarifying. Just clarifying. And so you're going to go out and have a nice picnic and a what, nice hug a picnic. tree? 
and a maypole dance. Oh, fantastic. Which is, again, huge fun, but you have to keep your wits about it. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you have to get tied up. It's very... The maypole dance is quite naughty, isn't it? Um, basically, yes. Yes. You know what the maypole represents? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, indeed. Oh, yes, very much so. It sounds like a lot of fun, though. I, I, what's the weather forecast like for the weekend? Do we know? Um, I wasn't really listening to Elizabeth, uh, to be honest. Well, I'm certainly not going to wrap myself in a plastic bag, I'll tell you <laughs> What that. was she talking about? A plastic bag? <laughs> yeah. She's a crazy, uh, crazy uh, weather forecaster. Listen, Nellie yeah. Arling, we've got you on, and this genuinely is the highlight of my week. I, I love this when you do this. And a, fr- a friend of mine tweeted last week, um, waiting for Nanny Eileen to review the indie song is one of the most tense bits of radio ever. <laughs> So, t- today we've got, from BBC Introducing... Yes. It's um, uh, Folly Ray, and their track... Um, their track is called Suffocating. Lovely. <laughs> They're from Hertfordshire. Shall we have a little listen? Yes, please. Here we go. Suffocating within our eyes Looking up to see our fallen lights Hold on to the fear of the fairground Right, we used to feel inspired Purple skies of a northern night Waking up in no man's land Realize you're not gonna win this fight We used to feel inspired Slowly as quite Is it enough just to be It's, it's a well-put-together track, but um, it's really put a downer on the morning, isn't it? That, that, that caffeine buzz has uh, been nipped in the bud. That's Suffocating by Folly Ray. They're from Hertfordshire. Nanny Island's been listening to that. Uh, Nanny Island, what do you think? I like the indie sound. Um, I must uh, prefer Bangra myself. Um, I like the sound. Was it uh, Zeta playing? I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. I love I love the Indian instruments. Yes. I think they're fascinating, and I love to watch them playing them. Um, but again... Even you're struggling this week to say something good, yeah, aren't you? I am struggling, I have to say. Mm. I love her voice, I St- love the music. Beautiful voice. Be- let's listen to her voice. Beautiful voice. Here we go. It, yeah. Is it a beautiful voice? Yeah. Definitely. Great singer. Yes, and the music is... is charming 
Yeah. But, um, it's just I a, like the Bangra beat. I like things. the Bangra beat as well. I love the Bangra <laughs> beats. I do love a good Bangra beat. Yeah. Um, so, Nanny Eileen, it, it, great singer, but um, a great indie beat. Yeah. But uh, really, uh, we... Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have a word with Kelly Betts. We're gonna, we're, I'm going <laughs> to Apparently there are politics involved as to why we can't have an upbeat tune every week. Really? Apparently there are politics involved. Well, I'm going to smash through those politics like George Galloway and his respect party. Wow. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Listen, my dear, you have a lovely weekend. I hope the thank weather's great for you. Thank you very much, Angie. And if you ever want to send me your address, I'll send you a nice letter and I won't pop round or anything, I promise. Okay. See you later, Nanny Eileen. Bye-bye. Bye. There we go. Fantastic. And uh, that was uh, Folly Ray from Hertfordshire. If you want to uh, get a song played on this show or a BBC Introducing, bbc.co.uk forward slash introducing. Right, let's get the uh, latest travel news now. Here's Brooke. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. There are patchy delays on the M25 this morning with slow-moving traffic between Junction 26 for Waltham Abbey to 25 for Enfield. That's not helped by roadworks in the area. And once you get past those delays, there's queuing at Junction 20 for Kings Langley, also on the anti-clockwise stretchway. In Dunsville, the A505 heading towards Leighton Buzzard. There's a broken-down tanker which is partly blocking the road between the A5 and the total roundabout. That's causing delays. And in Beaconsfield, the A355 Park Lane has temporary lights up around the roadworks running between Candlemas Lane and the A40. Still looking good on public transport this morning with no reports of any problems on the trains. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much indeed. Right, coming up in the next hour, the last time you went to a record store and should we change the hours of schools? Michael Gove wants to make the holidays shorter and the days longer. Good idea? We'll find out more after the news with Catherine. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. The headlines calls for tougher stance on extremism. Central Bedfordshire gypsy sites approved and royal visitors for Hertfordshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. A group set up to improve understanding between Muslims and the wider community in Luton says this country's approach to extremism is too soft. Its chairman's comments follow the sentencing of four men from Luton who've been jailed for terror offences, including discussing blowing up the town's territorial army centre. Akbar Dad Khan from Building Bridges says the government should do more to stop the spread of extreme views. Looking over the last two decades or so, uh, this uh, soft extremism uh, is prevalent in the society and nothing has been done to, to undo it. A significant police operation is underway on the outskirts of Boston after an officer was shot dead at a university campus. There are reports of gunfire and explosions in the Watertown district north of the Massachusetts, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. It's not clear whether or not there's any connection with the marathon bombing. Meanwhile, the FBI has released photos and videotape footage of two men suspected of involvement in the bomb attacks at the marathon on Monday. The images show one man placing a backpack on the ground near the finishing line where the explosions happened. Three people died in more than 170 were wounded. Richard Delorier is a special agent with the FBI. We consider them to be armed and extremely dangerous. No one should approach them. No one should attempt to apprehend them except law enforcement. Let me reiterate that caution. Do not take any action on your own. 
Back here, plans for the expansion or creation of seven gypsy sites in central Bedfordshire were approved by the council last night in the face of fierce local opposition. Around 200 protesters gathered to witness the robber stamping of plans passed by a narrow majority of councillor votes. Richard Beechner from the Barton Clay Residents Action Group insists this isn't the end of the matter. There is now a full consultation and then the planning inspectorate will review the decision. And one of the important things he's going to review is the soundness of the approach that the council has taken. Much was said by councillors saying the process is flawed and they want the council to think again. Meanwhile, a public meeting is being held later today to discuss the sudden closure of a GP surgery in Milton Keynes. The Willen Village surgery shut last week when one of its doctors resigned. The other has been suspended. It's emerged that he prescribed too many pills for a patient with a history of self-harm who was later found dead after taking an overdose. Prince Harry and the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge will be visiting Hertfordshire today. They'll be attending Warner Brothers' official inauguration of Leavesden Studios. In sport, Luton Town won their final home game of the season last night, beating Ebbsfleet United 2-0 at Kenilworth Road. Both of those goals were scored by Alex Wall. The weather rained to start, but drier and brighter later with a top temperature of 13 degrees Celsius. That's 55 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for Darth Vader. Now, so, um, the, the Paul Weller hasn't done anything good in 20 years. Outrageous. Okay? Right. Now, Twitter is, uh, d- 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 I'm getting, being trolled, <laughs> I believe, cyberbullied. Ian Morris, creator of um, the Inbetweeners and the Persuasionists, says, no, 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 so wrong, <laughs> no. Um, other people are agreeing with me, though. Um, oh, no, hang on, where are they? Oh, here we go. Little Jason says, I agree with you, Ian. It's at least 25 years. Steve says, agreed. I never understood the fuss around Weller. Oh. Paul Stainton, agreed. Listen, Paul Weller doesn't have to actually do anything to be brilliant. So, you know, it's just rubbish what you're saying. Anthony Jones says, are you trying to be controversial? No, I'm not trying to be. It's a fact. He just... The the last 20 years, let's be honest, Catherine, he ain't done nothing, has he? Have you been missing later with Jules Holland? There's He's pic- always on it. Can I just say very quickly, but then we'll get on with the show. There's a very bizarre picture in one of the newspapers today of Jules Holland welcoming home troops, and he's dressed up as a soldier. Oh, dear. I'll find it and send it to you, right? <laughs> Enough of that nonsense. It's true. There's a paper, picture of him in the papers. <sighs> Sorry, going off on a bit of a tangent. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... Should school children lose their long holidays? And should we make them work nine to five? Michael Gove, the Education Secretary, thinks that we should. Perhaps we should send them up chimneys again as well. A Luton-based Muslim group says we are soft on extremism after the sentencing of four men from the town on terrorism charges. We'll hear from the group calling for more to stop terrorists. And we talk record shops. Amazingly, sales are up 15% and the UK is the third largest buyer of vinyl records. When was the last time you went into a record shop? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can give us a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. There is some feisty talk as well already on the uh, Facebook page. Um, Go and have a look on the subject of uh, extremism. Oh eight four five. Sorry, Facebook.com forward slash BBC Three CR. Go and have a look. There are some very extreme views on there already. Um, I'm not going to take them down. I'm going to leave them up there and let you have your say. Go and have a look and let me know what you think. 
Now, on the subject of schools, the Education Secretary, Michael Gove, says pupils in England should spend more hours at school each day and have shorter holidays. He told an education conference that it could help England become as successful as East Asian education systems. Well, Christine Hood is a retired teacher from Hertfordshire and former secretary of the county's branch of the National Union of Teachers. She completely disagrees with Mr Gove's comments. Christine, what's, what's so wrong with all he said? Shorter holidays and longer days? Well, children are growing young people. They need their rest as well as their school time. Um, they need to, an opportunity to interact with each other, to play, to indulge in personal activities. Um, you know, school is their education, but as growing people, they have other things in their lives as well. Um, one interesting point, which he hasn't mentioned, there's an awful lot of research coming out that shows that teenagers particularly have a different kind of body clock. Yeah. Uh, and boys don't function very well early in the morning. And if their school day is delayed, they actually perform better. On the subject of, of shortening the summer holidays, yeah. six weeks. My, my boys are three and one yet, so yeah. I've, I've not quite reached this, but I, I have friends who have. Six weeks... It is difficult, isn't it, for parents to, to fill that six weeks? They'd have to take time off work or they have to find expensive childcare. If it was a shorter holiday, wouldn't that make their lives easier? It may well do, but, I mean, school isn't free childcare. School is education. Exactly. Um, and also, you know, the teachers need a break as well. Huh? I mean, I, I was a teacher for 35 years, and I was in school for two, three weeks of that summer holiday, putting my record straight preparing materials, doing new board displays. A hell of a lot of work gets done in the holidays. It's when schools have a deep clean. But some, some, I mean, some people might argue, that's your job. Yes, yes, I accept that. But I don't think the children should be there as well. Is this, are you against this, Christine, more because of uh, the impact it would have on teachers' lives? No, no, I'm against it for a variety of reasons. There's another point. I mean, I don't know if you've done any research into, well, just looking up on Google, the length of school holidays in Europe. What are they? Longer. Right. France, Germany, um, the, uh, Finland, a lot of countries in Europe and America have much longer summer holidays than we do. Well, I know, but I know that America, and I think some of those European countries as well, they have kind of summer camps and, and learning camps over the, the, the summer break, don't they? They do, but it's still a break from school. But they're still learning. They're still going to an educational Absolutely. facility. The, 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 uh, Go, Gove cites uh, the East Asian education systems, yeah. and those kids are smart, aren't they? Well, I, I spent a certain amount of time in Singapore, and it's a very different ethos, a very different culture. Um, over there, one thing that really struck me was kids coming out of school and going into local bookshops and looking at school books and buying school textbooks. There is a very different ethos, um, and I'm not trying to criticise British parents, but there is far more positive encouragement in the um, Pacific Rim countries. On the subject of the longer school day, they do well, have longer school days in Europe and in America, don't they? Is that something we should adopt here? Well, again, it's, it's for different activities. It's more for sort of extracurricular activities. It's not so much sitting at desk. I mean, I'm sorry, but Michael Gove's a moron. He wants children to be rote learners so they can mechanically regurgitate facts. He doesn't want them to be properly educated. I'm afraid the man is an arrogant middle-class academic snob. 
He well, rates Latin and things like that. I mean, a further example I spoke to someone about earlier, they're going to downgrade the BTEX in agriculture and horticulture so they don't count in the league tables. Now, I'm sorry, but, you know... Great Britain is largely still rural. Christine, we have to end it there. Thank you very much. Some very strong points. I hope you feel that you got your point across. Uh, Michael Gove is a moron. That's according to Christine Hood, a retired teacher from Hertfordshire and former secretary of the county's branch of the National Union of Teachers. Well, I guess the question is, are we taking a step back if we make children work harder in the summer? Are they at risk of burnout? 08459 455 555 Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text charged at the standard network rate. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Four men in Luton are starting prison sentences ranging between five and 16 years after pleading guilty to terror charges. These included talking about blowing up the TA centre in the town using a homemade device. One of the men, 31-year-old Zahid Iqbal, attended the Luton Islamic Centre, the same place of worship which the Swedish bomber went to. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been speaking to people in Luton and getting their reaction. Uh, It's worth noting that in this case, the court heard the men were planning to make a homemade device to blow up the TA centre in the town, rather than they actually made bombs. But this is what people in Luton have made of it all. It is a concern that they're making these homemade bomb devices at home. If it goes wrong, then we're going up with it, aren't we? So, yeah, it is a concern. And when you say to people you're from Luton, do you get that look? Every time. Every time. My friend lives in Yarmouth. We go up there about six, seven times a year. And, you know, if you, when they say, oh, where are you from? You say Luton. they Luton? You know, they all repeat it after you, don't they? What, you're from Luton? Yeah, they do, yeah. So it is, you do get a funny look when you say you're from Luton. And what would you say to anybody who says Luton's a completely safe town, there's no terrorists that live here? What would you say to those people? I think they're deluded. You've got to watch your back. It's just not good. It's not safe. But in terms of, of terrorists living here in your I mean, town, how does that make you feel? How does it make me feel? You're, like, furious, really. I mean, it's just not good. I mean, why can't everybody just get on? You mean, we're all on this planet together, so just get on with it. More concerned than I should be. It's more than a small minority, it seems to be. It seems to be the views are perpetrated quite a lot, and it's quite open. If you go to certain areas of town, they're quite... Um, in your face about it. I have very good Muslim friends and I know they're horrified by... Most of my Muslim friends are very moderate and, again, believe... And most of my people that I know are Muslim that are very moderate, very nice people. And it's embarrassing, I'm sure, for them. I think some of them are quite mortified and it's almost always, you hear the news, it's... Close to I hope it's not it's Luton involved again. Well, Kadir Baksh is the chair of the Luton Islamic Centre. Good morning, Kadir. What, what do you make of what those people were saying? Uh, good morning. Uh, it was very, very interesting on in what these people were saying. Uh, but the thing which struck me the most was um, what, what somebody read out, I think what yourself read out in, at the beginning, that he attended the Islamic Centre. I just wanted to uh, make things clear here. He attended the Islamic Centre from back in 2007, 8 to 2009-10, but when he realised that our views, our political views were moderate and balanced, he wasn't interested. He moved on. He went to a different mosques and different places. He disappeared from our radar. And we did, either, we did manage to, uh, to make a number of different engagements with him, trying to correct his, um, his political views and thoughts back in 2009, 2009. What kind of things was he saying in 2009? Well, these were more theological you know, uh, misunderstandings of the religion. Political theology. That's what it was about. And, um, and it's not something which is a crime in this country. It's, uh, it's not something which it, it rings alarm bells. It's not something which will make you feel that he's going to now go and make a bomb and blow somebody up. 
is, is theological debates on political theology. And this is what we, we, we were dealing with, with, with him at that time. Did it set um, off it any... Radar. Did, it, did it set off any, any warning signs? Well, for us, the only warning signs it set off for us is that, look, this guy's got some extreme um, uh, theological understanding. Uh, how extreme? What, give, give me an example of how extreme. Well, I mean, the type of things that is just common from all of them is that they're, they're politically fed up, they are, about uh, what's going on in the world, what, the, what they believe the West is doing to the world. And, uh, you know, and, and then they have major complaints against British foreign policy going to Iraq and Afghanistan and, and their double, double standards in, in Palestine and, and other places. And there's nothing illegal against those, those, those thoughts at all. But, but if you heard something like that, what would you do? Would you, obviously, you'd, you'd try and discuss yeah. it with them, but would you report that to anyone? No, obviously, when we hear such, such, such notions, we, the first thing we do is sit down and explain to them, because from there, is a, it's, it's, it's a, there's a slight possibility they may move into violent extremism. And that's when we would report, if we had any information whatsoever from any, any individual that they inclined to violence or harming or, or hurting anybody. Have you ever reported anyone to the authorities before? Well, that, that was something that would be between me and the police, and I wouldn't tell you this over the, uh, in, in public. But, um, you know, I would say, um, you know, it, it, the, the more important is that if there was anything, absolutely anything, that I felt, or any of our community in our Islamic Centre felt, that would harm anybody, Muslim or non-Muslim, we would definitely report. The uh, Swedish bomber also uh, visited the centre. Did he ex- express extreme views? Yeah, very similar to... Uh, well, actually, I wouldn't say very similar. His was... The, yeah, I mean, in terms of the theological debates, they were the same. Um, in terms of you know actually going out and physically doing something, you know, um, on both in both cases we had no no idea, no inclination they would move on to on, onto that whatsoever. How do we know, Kadir, that, that there aren't more men at this very moment plotting similar things? You see, this is this is the, the thing I've been trying to say for the last you know four or five years that this is the job of the intelligence service, not community members like you and me. You know, well, some people, I think, I think, would disagree with that, wouldn't they? If they, they would think, if you uh, uh, have an inkling that somebody is uh, has a tendency towards violence, then then it is up to the community. But an inkling. When you say an inkling, you know, okay, I'm fed up. What's happening in in, in Iraq and Afghanistan? Yeah, that's, that's almost ninety five percent of the Muslims. You're going to be ringing up the police every single second, you know, and, and they're, not, they're not going to want to know that. So why, you know, why why inundate their phones with political thought, political political ideas that people have? What it is. Britain needs to look. Needs to look at its foreign policy. Needs to re- reflect on the way it's dealing with the, lo- the domestic um, uh, issues that we got here in, in terms of extremism, and, and 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 then look at its foreign policy. What it's doing outside, it needs to change. Honestly, I mean, they. I, I hold them responsible for radicalising these youths. Well, we, uh, we can't. Part, we, hang on, you can't hold as, as well as part, as well as as well as the the hate preachers that they probably bumped into him. Are you blaming the government for um, the, the, the homegrown terrorism that we, we've been no seeing? Doubt. They have to take some blame. They have to. They go walking into Iraq and Afghanistan, blowing the hell out of innocent Muslims and, you know, women, children, indiscriminately, and they expect Muslim and other Muslims to sit here and not, do, not, not take vengeance, or, or obviously it's wrong. We know it's wrong, but they should expect this to come. And this is why they set the MI5, the Scotland Yard, they've set up Prevent, they've set up all these things, because they know what they're doing out there is Kadeer, wrong. final question, because we are running out of time. This is fascinating. I could talk to you all morning. I appreciate you yeah. coming on. There will be people listening to this who find what you're saying now uh, very upsetting. And do you not worry that what you're saying is creating divisions amongst the Muslim community and the rest of the community? Well, 
to be quite honest, uh, we are moderate, we're balanced Muslims. We, are, we, you know, we live in this country in peace and harmony with all sects, all groups, all religion. We have no problem with that whatsoever. If individuals are going to come along and they're going to go oppose this and, and cause harm to anybody, then there's no harm in, in, in other Muslims or non-Muslims you know, uh, reporting them to the, to, to the police. Kadir, we have to end it there. Sorry to cut you short. Uh, Kadir Baksh, uh, Chair of the Luton Islamic Centre. Right, a little bit later than usual. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, the usual pockets of congestion during rush hour really starting to pick up with delays on my speed sensors in Bricketwood on North Orbital Road at the roundabout for the M25. Now, having a look at the M25 itself, the anti-clockwise carriageway, that's slow uh, moving between junction 26 for and Abbey to 25 for Enfield. And once you get past that, it's slow between junction 17 for Maple Cross to 16 for the M40. And in Dunstable on the A505 heading towards Leighton Buzzard, there's a broken down tanker which is partly blocking the road between the A5 and the total roundabout. Brooke Burfitt, BBC. BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thanks very much. Right, 7.18, a little bit later than usual, but I thought that conversation was uh, one worth pursuing. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A group set up to improve understanding between Muslims and the wider community in Luton says this country's approach to extremism is too soft. A significant police operation is underway on the outskirts of Boston after an officer was shot dead at a university campus. In sport, Luton Town won their final home game of the season last night. They beat Ebbsfleet United 2-0. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Rain to start, drier and brighter later, with a top temperature of 13 degrees. Coming up, a talented inventor from Bedfordshire took his own life after running up debts which spiralled to £70,000 from an initial £1,500 council tax deficit. We'll find out more before 7.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Saturdays at two o'clock can only mean one thing. Three Counties Sports. Three Counties Sports. And this Saturday, it's another extended programme. Round the wall, it takes a deflection and goes in. With live commentary on Watford versus Blackburn, MK Dons at home to Scunthorpe, Stevenage away to Swindon, Gloucester against Saracens, and Bedford's trip to Mosley from three. Plus regular updates on Barnet versus Wickham. Wickham. Then from 5.15, it's all eyes on the conference as Luton travel to Southport. Greywack, run in, and an Three Counties Sport, Saturday from 2 on BBC Three Counties Radio. You can have your say on everything we're talking about, either by going to uh, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR or giving us a call. Fifi Brown on the subject of the the last guest we just had says, The speaker on the radio from the Luton Islamic Centre said it's not the job of the public to report concerns about possible extremists. He believes it's the intelligence service. Come on, it's everyone's job to protect society to keep each other safe. How many intelligence personnel does he think there are? I must say I'm worried with his response. 08459 455 555. A talented inventor from Bedfordshire took his own life after running up debts which spiralled to £70,000 from an initial £1,500 council tax deficit. Peter Williams from Langford was struck by a train at Biggleswade in February after a 16-year struggle over the debt. Well, in a moment, we'll hear from debt expert Mike Thomas. But first, let's talk to Liz Allsop. She's from Bourne End in Bucks, who knows what it's like to be struggling financially. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Ian. L- Liz, what happened to you and your husband? Um, unfortunately, my husband's business uh, failed and we ended up owing quite a bit of debt. And then um, after eight years as a company, I was made redundant. 
and um, our debt um, just spiralled out of control. We did some silly things. We remortgaged the house and took some loans out to keep the business going. And um, unfortunately, we found ourselves with a massive amount of debt. How big was the debt? Uh, probably around 250000 something like that, with a mortgage and bits and pieces. All our mouths have dropped there, Liz. When, when, when you sit down and realise that you've been trying to play catch-up with, with remortgaging and things like that, and it's not worked, and you've got a quarter of a million pounds debt, how do you feel? Well, that was the whole thing. I mean, we, you know, at the time when we, we took it up, we could pay for it, and we didn't envisage not being able to pay for it. And like um, the inventor, we did talk about suicide at one point because my husband had a insurance policy and he felt that if he killed himself, it would pay out and he would give me some quality of life. And it was awfully embarrassing to admit we had this much debt and we'd made that much mistakes. But the problem with debt is, at the beginning, it doesn't go down. It just escalates because the banks and the financial institutions just put on a massive amount of interest and penal charges and um, unauthorised overdraft charges and, you know, it can easily rise very, very quickly. In fact, probably a quarter of hours is, is interest and charges. Liz, take me back to, to that moment. Who, who, I'm assuming your husband brought up the subject of him possibly yeah. killing himself to, 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 to pay off the, the debt. How, how did you react to that? Um, I, I was a bit shocked, I have to say, and, um, you know, we were trying to find solution out of it um and i was upset that he thought like that you know we were in it together um but then again it could have been uh, a way out you know when you're right on the edge uh, i don't know maybe the balance of your mind is disturbed i don't know when you're really desperate um, you know, you'll, you'll look at any ways out uh, liz are you trying to tell me i'm not judging you in any way whatsoever that you actually consider that as an option Yes. Oh, definitely. That's an incredible position to be in, isn't it? I I don't think that people understand. I mean, because we had absolutely no money whatsoever, um, you know, we couldn't afford to buy meat, we didn't have any petrol for the car, and we were in the house together 24-7, and when you've got that situation, when you've both been out at work full-time, you end up arguing, and, you know, we were blaming each other for the debt and the problems we were in. And I had that to people phoning up, asking for money three or four times a day, and the worry of having maybe bailiffs, being evicted, you know, all that goes through your mind. And <laughs> I have to say, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, it's a dreadful position to be in. Liz, you, you're out the other side now, aren't you? What, how did you manage to work through this? <clears throat> well, for about two years, we couldn't get any jobs, and we were... We were in a terrible state. The family helped us a bit by sending us some um, vouchers for supermarket food and putting petrol in it. We literally didn't have any money. You know, we just didn't have any money. Um, but um, now I've started up a little business. I do dog boarding and dog walking, and that has helped. And also my husband has found a little job as well, which has also helped. And we got a lot of help from a free debt advice charity called Consumer Credit Counselling Service, which is now called Step Change. And also, I think Mike Thomas is with you, isn't he? Yes, we've got Mike. Mike's on the other line. Hello, Mike. Yeah. Mike is from, uh, well, let's introduce Mike. Mike is from DebtWizard.com. Yes, I've also uh, been helped quite a lot by Mike. Well, Mike, let's, let's, let's bring you into this. Uh, Liz's story is 
incredible. I, is this rare or is this becoming more common? Uh, unfortunately, it's becoming more common, Ian. Um, I'll I, I tell you one thing. I mean, debt can control your life, as, as Liz obviously knows. Um, and you have to deal with the debt to get your life back in control. I was talking to someone quite high up in the pharmaceutical world, and he told me that they're now manufacturing and selling more pills for depression than painkillers in the United Kingdom. And that's a serious worry. And, and are you suggesting that that's linked with debt? I, I think it's got something to do with it. Um, the amount of people I deal with, um, I mean, I've been in the industry now 17, 18 years, and I made a decision about six years ago um, to get some extra skills in counselling because when you're dealing with somebody who breaks down on the telephone and they can't cope, you've got to, you've got to understand where that person is coming from. And although I'm not a fully qualified counsellor, it was one of the best courses i ever done because it means that I can talk to people. I don't go into areas I'm not qualified, but I can try and lift them and give them hope and find a way through it. So, Liz- yes, anybody with debt is likely to be um, quite depressed. Mike, we'll talk about solutions in a second, but I'm just so uh, touched by Liz's story that, that her husband brought up the subject of, of possibly killing himself to help pay off the debt. And Liz considered it. Do, do you hear that story from time um, to time? I, I have heard that on several occasions, and well, I'm, I'm still shocked. Um, I'm not in any way judging Liz. I'm, I mean, you know, it sounds like a terrible, dire situation. It's just, it seems incredible to me. Well, you know, we don't understand, unless you've been there, and as I say, got the T-shirt, been in debt, faced bankruptcy, had your house repossessed, seen your business collapse, none of us can really understand how that person feels. But what I say to everybody, there is a way forward. And I think Liz is a great example of actually showing how they got through this. What can you do? What can you do, Mike? Quarter of a million pounds debt. You you, you can't even afford petrol or food. What do you do to get out of that? Well, you've got to get some debt advice. Um, And obviously, she went to one of the the people that I suggest herself is is Step Change. It used to be Consumer Credit Counselling Services, but now it's known as Step Change. You need to sit down. The biggest hurdle you've got is saying, I'm going to ask and get some advice and point a way forward. When you are given advice, you then need to think about acting on that advice. But just, just don't walk away from it. I imagine that that's, that that's the easy thing to do. The, the, the bills keep coming through. I'll put those in the drawer. You, you bear, people must bury their head in the sand. Uh, yeah. Can I come in here? Yes, Liz. That, you know, we were embarrassed by it to admit the amount of debt and it was a shame that we had done this. And that stopped us initially from contacting anybody and admitting it. Isn't that interesting, Mike? Embarrassment and shame. Well, I think it's a stigma as well. I get this a lot with blokes. You know, they turn around and say, well, my job is to go out and get a job and, and feed the family. And I had a police officer once that when he went out in the mornings, he used to paint the windows with what we call brown water. So the windows were stained. People couldn't look in. And he grew a beard because he, he was not very happy with himself. And that's one of the signs with someone with a big beard and lots of hair. And his wife didn't know about the debts until she was hoovering the hall carpet and it was loose. And when she pulled it up, there was about £35,000 worth of debts, you know, credit cards and statements hidden under the, the carpet. So people can hide it from their loved ones, but eventually it does come out. But at least Liz and her husband went through this together. Mike, we've got, we, we got literally 30 seconds. Your, your top three tips to, for people who uh, are, fit, are in debt. Um, top three tips will be, um, first of all, go and get some advice. Go to three organisations, Citizens Advice Bureau, then look at your, your charities and go to a fee-charging firm. You haven't got to take them on. You haven't got to use the services, but you can find out what they're saying. And if they all say the same thing, for example, one says you can keep your car, one says you can't keep your car, and one says they don't know, go and get further advice. But if they all say the same thing, yes, you can keep your car, you know you're getting some good level. But make sure it's no nonsense and professional advice. Mike, thank you very much indeed. Mike Thomas, uh, head of the website debtwizard.com. And the other voice you heard there was Liz Allsop with just an incredible 
story there. Well, Central Bedfordshire Council uh, said in a statement that the death of Peter Williams was clearly a tragic event, but is making no further comment at the moment. His inquest has been adjourned until June, and the council will cooperate fully with the coroner and hopes that the inquest will lead to a full understanding of the circumstances leading to his death. Right, here's the travel news now. Here's Brooke. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, there's a little change in Dunstable this morning, I'm afraid. On the A505 heading towards Leighton Buzzard, there's a broken down tanker which is partly blocking the road between the A5 and the total roundabout. Please tell me it's still causing queues as traffic slows down to get around it. Now, on the M25 anti-clockwise carriageway, it's congestion between Junction 26 for Waltham Abbey to 25 for Enfield and between Junction 17 for Maple Cross to 16 for the M40. That's very busy too. And finally, in Bricketwood, there's a long queue on North Orbital Road approaching the roundabout for the M25. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Brooke. Let's get the news now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we were going to go to uh, Catherine Boyle there, but I believe that something may have happened upstairs that's prevented her from uh, giving us the news. So we'll uh, we'll try and get to her a little bit later on. 08459 455 555. It's kicking off on Facebook, I should say. If you want to go have a look, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, we're asking on there, well, a couple of questions on there. Michael Gove wants to uh, change the school day, make it longer, nine to five, and also shorten the school holidays. And they're also asking uh, about uh, extremism. Um, after four gentlemen from Luton have been sentenced after pleading guilty to terror charges. Well, uh, lots of extreme views on the uh, the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We'll have a look at those a little bit later on, but uh, do go and have your say. And um, you, It's nice that you argue on there, but play nice. Don't, don't be rude about each other, but uh, you do go and have a little cheeky argument. It's, it's always good to, to read, and you can see why I enjoy it so much. Also, we'll be talking uh, about Luton Town. It was their last home match last night of the season. Pretty poor season. Pretty poor season. I, I hope I'd, I wasn't the jinx that, uh, that ruined it for them. I went to my first ever football match, and... Um, well, it was Luton Town versus Millwall. They lost that. I hope I wasn't jinxing things. And also we'll be uh, talking more about the uh, surgery in Milton Keynes that closed down in mysterious circumstances. 08459 455 555. It's on the front page of a lot of the newspapers this morning. Michael Gove is suggesting that school holidays are cut and the school day is made a bit longer. 81333, start your text, 3CR. Uh, Tim says... I think making school days longer is a huge mistake. My kids are knackered by the time they get home. When would they be able to do all their after-school clubs, such as sport or dance? They need time to do non-academic studies too. In fact, I'd go as far as scrapping homework. Really? I kind of, th- I'd kind of go along with that. Homework? Get rid of that. It's a possibility on Facebook. Nick says, yeah, it's a good idea. It'll prepare them for the long hours out at work when they're older and keep them out of the food cupboard while younger. Sorry? Chris says, definitely a bad idea. Jane says, I suppose it's a good idea if the pupils leave school with the ability to read, write and can do simple multiplication. It always amazes me that OAPs have the three R's and yet children leaving school today do not. And on the email... 
Um, Gove is out of touch. This is from Sue, a teacher. Gove is out of touch with what it is to teach in secondary schools these days. Most holidays are spent marking, planning and taking revision classes for the exam students. Revision classes are also done after school, so the school day is already a long one. When would extracurricular sports, music, drama, etc. take place if the school day was longer? They're children, for goodness sakes, not machines. Not a lot of support for, um... Not a lot of support for uh, the, the Michael Gove from the teachers. Um, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Well, tomorrow is record, score, record store day. You try saying that after a head full of coffee, where music stores are celebrating and promoting vinyl record sales. Well, you might think that people don't buy records anymore, but sales are actually up by 15%. And Great Britain is now the third biggest market for vinyl sales in the world. Well, we've been out on the streets of Luton to ask people, when was the last time they visited a proper vinyl store? Well, the last time I came was probably... About a month ago, and I like to look at the old, uh, the old Who record. Um, well, we sort of come over here about one once a week, and it's just nice to sort of go back and find stuff that you can you can no longer get on CD that's no longer being reissued, or you know all that stuff that you got rid of when CDs came in about twenty odd years ago. Yeah, the last last uh, record shop I went to was um, was a, a, a second hand dealer up in London. I was looking to replace some copies of The Grateful Dead. The last time I was in a record store was last week. I'm just hunting around for old stuff that I used to have. I sold everything, like a stupid boy, and uh, just trying to get it all back now. Uh, the last time I would have gone to a record store, I would have been looking for things like The Beatles, uh, The Monkees, Paul Revere and The Raiders, uh, Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. It sounded like Tiny Tim there as well. Well, I'm joined by Andy Oton, manager of David's Record Store in Letchworth. Morning, Andy. Good morning. And uh, also we've got Sean who's here. Hello, Sean. Hello. Sean, it's your birthday today. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 11. OK, I'm going to ask you a question. You're 11 years old. Uh, Sean, do you just want to come a little bit closer to the microphone? That's perfect. That's perfect. You're 11 years old. Do you like playing records? Um, I haven't really played a record before. You've never played a record before? Nope. And your dad runs a record shop dad you're failing at the first hurdle andy what on earth is going on he just watches me play records i think my i've got a little boy who's three and every now and then we get out my old dance set record player and he takes great pleasure in putting on the singles and he knows how to do the arm and all of that have you not indoctrinated that's what him? i need to get is an old dance set record player you need one so of those we can play with it rather than quite a nice one which they don't play oh with. i see does, does yeah. dad tell you off if you go near his, his stereo yeah he does oh i see it's like that no i've got the nice one upstairs in my room uh the, the dance sets downstairs that's the way around to do it the, the record show, the store record store day tomorrow how often does this happen? Is this an annual thing or is it a couple biannual? Yeah, it's an annual thing. Since 2007, I think, was the first one in America. And right. it's, it's snowballed into the UK and around the world now. It's an international day and it's our biggest day of the year at David's and I think all other independent shops. Is and what exactly? It's just celebrating the magic of, of vinyl, is it? Basically, it's all about vinyl. Yeah, yeah. There are a few releases that aren't vinyl, but it's, it's, it's for the collectors of classic 
vinyl yeah. and they come and they queue early in the early hours of tomorrow morning do they really queue they'll be queuing the first one last year was before four o'clock in the morning what there's people talking about three o'clock tomorrow morning what? hang on a second listen i'm a fan of records why would they queue at four o'clock in the morning because of the the limited nature of the releases right there's something in the region of 450 releases tomorrow morning wow. which are special releases for the day only right they're limited editions obviously yeah i say it's nearly all vinyl and there's artists like very collectible artists paul weller david bowie pink floyd kate bush yep and people want these records badly you, you mentioned paul weller just going off on a slight tangent we have been having a, a slight argument with the internet this morning weller's done nothing good in the last 20 years has he well i think weller fans might argue <laughs> with you they have they've been kicking off uh, on yeah, twitter yeah. it's got very unpleasant they will but um no what? some people say not listen i know i know the answer to this question I, but i want you to tell me and i want you to tell sean what makes vinyl so special okay well it's the, it's the format which is just it's got so much more soul than a than a than a cd or a cassette ever had yep. you know you've got the size of it which is just perfect for the artwork and there's something beautiful about putting a needle on a record and it's got a very deep rich sound about it which mm. cd hasn't and, and the cds have always lacked some sort of depth i think and mp3s listen, listen to us we're literally just two old men talking <laughs> I, I know i know i love it i know mp3s but and digital downloads mp3s are awful i mean they're convenient and i've got twenty thousand songs on my ipod but right, they I just know. sound so thin there's no richness to it no there's not i mean i think there is such a thing as, as good digital downloads mm. good mp3 but most of it most of it which you'll download you know for small amount of money is fairly poor quality really and the thing i like about a record as well is you have to make a decision that you're going to play a record you have to flick through your records pick it up take it out of the sleeve take it out of the inner sleeve it's an effort to play a record and i think that people appreciate music more because they have to put a bit of work into it yeah you really have to make a make a choice and then there's a there's a process involved mm -hmm. isn't there yeah like you say of, uh, of choosing fine taking it out of the sleeve Playing which side do you want to play? For? Which side do you want to play? I've always got to play the side one first. I can't mess around with it. You should really. It's been chosen like David's Record Store, what's happening tomorrow? What have you got on tomorrow? Okay, well, David's has got lots going on tomorrow. Yep. As I say, the, the people will be queuing up early. We're getting there at 7 o'clock in the morning to give them some tea and coffee Ooh. to keep them going because they're going to be cold. I think it's quite a chilly morning. It's going to be a chilly one tomorrow, yes. Um, and then we open the doors at 8. Yep. People will come in with their lists of records and... We'll just serve until probably 11 when the queue will probably start to die down a little bit. Fantastic. Takes about three hours to get through the queue. Fantastic. And what kind of stuff do you have in your record shop? You've got classic rock? You, what, what's in there? everything in David's. Yeah. I mean, it's a massive shop. It's two shops, bookshop, record shop, cafe. And we've got CDs, DVDs, and loads of vinyl, new and secondhand, covering all genres. So it's like an old record, how a record shop should be, we feel. Sean, what, what music do you like? What are you into? Um, I like the monkeys. Oh man, alive! Really? You yeah. like the monkeys? Yeah. Not the Arctic monkeys, the proper monkeys? Yeah. Oh, they're my favourite group in the world! Genuinely, I flew to New York last year to go and see them twice! Wow. wow. Well, so, okay, I'm going to play you something, but the gentleman through there, Paul Scoynes, is uh, a political correspondent. He's also the reporter. Uh, but he's producing the show today. This is Paul Scoynes playing a monkey's song on a, a, a ridiculous instrument. See if you can guess what song this is.
that's Paul Scorin's playing there. Any any idea what that song was, Sean? No. Um. Um. I'm a believer. Spot on. He got it. He got. <laughs> he got it. Why? I've, I've got to. Well, this is the, the rest. Sorry, Dad. You're out now. Why do you like the monkey so much? Um, I think they've just got really good tune to their songs. Yeah. And they're really good. I'm obsessed by the monkey. What what other groups do you like? Um You don't like do you like any of these silly bands like One Direction or, or East Seventeen, any of these modern groups? Not no. No. No, they they've not they don't cut it, do they? No. And when you listen, I've got two boys, uh, um, uh, Andy, and and how do, are you educating Sean to like kind of classic stuff? Are you going, okay, yeah, listen, now let's put pet sounds on. Let's see how you cope with this. We we've tried to indoctrinate them a little bit with um with stuff. Yeah, you know, we let them make their own choices. But they've had lots of Smiths and Cure and Morrissey and yeah. and yeah, Pink Floyd and what sort of customers do you get coming into the shop? Is it the hardcore? Obsessives, or do you get the ca- you know the casual browser who who comes into a record store these days? Well, obviously there's there's lots of hardcore obsessives yep. um, who come in regularly, sometimes almost daily. I think they come in wow. and they're just sort of looking for the new thing that we put out secondhand every day because we yeah. put stuff out every day. And where and do you get your stuff from? Well, it comes from just from people bringing it in. Really, the secondhand stuff just comes from yeah. people saying, phoning up and saying, "Can I bring a bag of records in, or can I bring a box of CDs in, or whatever?" I, just we don't have to go looking for it too much because we've been there fifty years, yeah. so people know we'd buy it. When I um, we, we moved a couple of years, oh, no, we moved a little while ago, and I boxed up a load of vinyl to get rid of. I kept all my monkeys and my Beach Boys and my Beatles, but I, I got rid of a load of vinyl, big box, and there was some quite rare stuff in there. A few rare Elvis records in there, and it was heartbreaking, and it was humiliating, and it was heartbreaking. I had this big box of records i went to my local record store knocked on the go- door and the guy went yeah we're not taking records at the moment mate and i was crushed he wouldn't even look at them it took, can, him, it took can, him to Oxfam in the end it can get a bit like that sometimes we're sort of inundated we've got thousands wow. and thousands of records and it, and it does become a space issue sometimes yeah. of where we're going to put the next collection but we find room what's what's your fa- your favorite record of all time favorite record of all time Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Probably The Queen is Dead by The Smiths. Oh, look at you. Hey, look at you. What's your favourite record, Sean? If you had to pick one to take on a desert island, what would it be? Um, I, I don't really... Oh, best of the monkeys. Yeah, well, just take a monkeys record. Go on, take a monkeys record. <laughs> Listen, g- just give us out your, g- give a quick plug for your store again. Where, where is it? OK, so David's is in Letchworth, and we're open tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Fantastic. With all these records. Lovely. Very nice to meet you, Andy. Sean, lovely to meet you. Happy birthday, Sean. Have a good day today. Thank you, I will. Is this a nice way to celebrate your birthday, hanging out in a radio studio? Yep, definitely. Superb. There we go. Lovely to meet you both. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. What was the last record that you bought? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR as well. And if you want to send me a text, you can do. Do put your names on the text, please, dear listener. Otherwise, I'm not going to read them out. 813 Double three, starting your text, 3CR. One of the things we're discussing this morning... Oh, Sean, I can ask you this, actually. Uh, Michael Gove, who's, uh, who's a politician, he wants to make the school day a little bit longer. What, what, what time does your school start, usually? Um, it's, well, the school day starts at nine, really. Uh, and then what kind of time do you finish? Um, about um, quarter past three. See, now, Michael Gove, MP, would like to make your day start at nine and finish at five and make the summer holidays shorter. What do you reckon to that? That's it's too long. Yeah. What, and do you, what do you kind of do in the summer holidays? You can't fill six weeks. Surely you're bored by the end, aren't you? No, I do. I do a lot in the summer holidays, usually. So your message to Michael Gove is just, hey, whoa, 
back off the school day. Stop messing with it, Gove. Excellent stuff indeed. 08459 555555. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Brooke. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. There's a broken down tanker in Dunstable which is causing delays this morning on the A505 heading towards Leighton Buzzard between the A5 and the Total Roundabout. It's also the usual hot spots of congestion this morning on the M25 anti-clockwise carriageway between Junction 26 for Waltham Abbey to 25 for Enfield. It's also a bit slow further round between Junction 17 for Maple Cross to 16 for the M40. And finally the A1 Barnet Bypass. If you are heading into London, that's queuing from Stirling Corner all the way to Mill Hill Circus. I've checked the trains and no reports of any problems this morning which is good news Brooke Burfitt BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you Brooke Right 7.45 I'm excited I met a young monkeys fan it's so rare these days 7.45 it's Friday the 19th of April I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio A group set up to improve understanding between Muslims and the wider community in Luton says this country's approach to extremism is too soft a significant police operation is underway on the outskirts of Boston after an officer was shot dead at a university campus. In sport, Luton Town won their final home game of the season last night. They beat Epsfleet United 2-0. Coming up, despite their victory last night, this season has been one of the worst in the club's history. Our disappointing season correspondent Justin Dealey has been getting fans' reaction. We'll hear more from him before eight. But now let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. We might just see a bit of showery rain um, still left to come through this morning, but that should soon clear. Bit of brightness and sunshine out there, actually, as we head through the rest of the morning and into the afternoon, but also one or two showers. Now, some of these showers could actually line up into the afternoon. They could be very heavy indeed. So, yeah, just the chance of, uh, of seeing something something along those lines again into today, but at least these uh, the winds will be much lighter. On the other hand, the showers will be quite slow moving, so do be prepared for some heavy downpours perhaps in places, most likely I think towards parts of Bedfordshire and over Hertfordshire. That's not to say over Buckinghamshire we won't see any at all, I just think it's a little bit less likely. Temperatures around average for the time of year, between 12 and 14 degrees, that's 57 in Fahrenheit. Now for this evening and overnight, um, we're going to see the temperatures drop away very quickly. Gardeners watch out, there will be a widespread ground frost tonight, even some pockets of air frost, temperatures dipping to between zero and three degrees celsius so cold start to the weekend yes but it is looking fine and dry with some lovely spells of sunshine around on saturday a cold night again on um, saturday night into sunday if you run in the london marathon you want to make sure you wrap up warm in all your bin bags in the morning yeah. because it is going to be a very nippy start in Grin- where does it start blackheath isn't it um so yeah very cold start there but if you're watching yeah lovely day lots of sunshine around just a bit more in the way of high cloud through the afternoon a bit more of a breeze developing but it will stay fine and dry there we go. Thank you very much. In your bin bags. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. I get to meet a lot of really interesting people with the most amazing stories. We feel as if we haven't been taken notice of. Yesterday we heard that the bank had gone, but today it's still there. The cat got delivered up in Kabul. You should be back in the UK in two months. With the best local talking points. Do some of the bakers have flapjack fights? No, of course not, Roberto. Well, not in our shops. <laughs> Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three. On BBC. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 555. Luton Town won 2-0 against Ebbsfleet in their last home game of the season last night. Well, despite the win, it will go down as one of the worst seasons ever for Luton Town, failing even to make the playoffs to make a return to the Football League. Well, our failing football team correspondent Justin Dealey was at the game last night to capture reaction from fans on this disappointing season. Were the fans upset last night, Justin? Well, do you know what, Ian? Surprisingly, most of the fans are positive. Always hope, if you're a Luton Town fan, about next season. Currently ninth in the fifth tier of English football. No automatic promotion. No playoffs, as you mentioned there. The club has 3,700 season ticket holders. And what's interested me is that it's the fact that sales for next season compared to this time last year are in actual fact up bearing in mind the season they've had which is probably the worst in the club's history I was at the game last night a 2-0 win for the Hatters I was asking fans about what's gone so wrong this season and what their highlights were uh, it's been very frustrating I think due to the lack of consistency rather than anything else um, just not very good performances on a regular basis. The club has 3,700 season ticket holders. You're one of those. Will you be renewing for next season? Of course I will. I'm that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a case of you being stupid or are you just a, a really, really passionate fan like most people here at Kenilworth Road? No, I, I enjoy my football and I'd rather come down to a ground and watch my local club rather than watching someone on the TV once a week. So. The two highlights for me this season have been Andre Gray. I think has been absolutely superb for the town this season. Game-wise, I would say the Wolves game here, for me, was a, a real, real good game of football. I thought we deserved everything on that day. I think the game away at Norwich, we did very well. We were lucky. Well, I think we were lucky to get the win, to be fair. Norwich didn't play that badly. But uh, overall, I think we've had a okay season but I mean you're a season ticket holder like 3,700 people will you be renewing for next season absolutely I can't go anywhere else at the weekend I travel 75 miles to get here every week and I've travelled 120 to get here tonight and I've been to every game this season and I will not be going anywhere else I don't get it Justin 75 miles he travels every week why? why? if they're doing so badly why? (laughs) well well, just listen to the loyalty listen to the passion when you're a football fan there is always the hope it might just get better and when your team has been struggling for years when you actually get success you enjoy it all the more that's why they keep on going week in week out almost 6,000 there last night for a nothing game Nothing to play for at all. Luton Town can't make the playoffs. Ebbsley already relegated. And still, almost 6,000 people turn up at Kenilworth Road. Incredible. So that was the fans speaking. What did the players have to say for themselves? Well, the players were clearly upset by their form throughout the whole campaign. I asked Mark Tyler, Jake Cowes and Scott Rendell to sum up the season. And this is what they said. Awful. Yeah, awful. Uh, you start to finish. But we've got a new manager at the helm and uh, hopefully... Uh, You've seen how we're going to play and uh, hopefully we can get up to the League 2 next year. Not consistent enough, in my words. You know, we're, we're good enough, but we just didn't show it. And I think we let ourselves down, the fans down, the management down. Very disappointing. Obviously, we didn't expect to be where we are in the league um, come the first game in August. Um, so from that point of view, yeah, very, very disappointed. And um, we need to do much better as a group. Justin, I'm guessing it's too early to predict 
anything for next season do they stand a chance of ever doing anything good again <laughs> ever again um, of course there's a chance I think this season I've never known an end of season like it so many ifs or buts who's going to be staying who's going to be going uh, a new manager's coming of course with John Still um, certainly the fans when they went down to this level didn't expect them to be there for five years that's for sure but but of course Luton Town they are a big pull to, to, to many players because of the crowds that they attract and there's always going to be hope for next season and with a manager like John Still still he's already got the experience he's taken Dagenham and Redbridge out of that league so he could be key so next season they've got every chance of course they have Justin I I wish you the very best of luck sir I know that he's being he's he's got a strong face on the radio but he's been very down this year because of Luton Town he's been very upset by their performance well Kevin Barrett is the chair of Luton Town Supporters Club Kevin how would you start this season well, I think most of it's already been uh, been said, Ian. Um, you know, he's got to go down as the poorest uh, um, season that we've had um, certainly in, uh, in in my lifetime, and probably uh, uh, even further back than that. Um, as I say, nothing's really gone for us other than the FA Cup run. I, listen, I'm not a fan of football, and I'm trying to get my head around it. How do you remain loyal or excited about a, ta- a team that have done so badly this year? It's difficult to sum up to somebody who's not been, uh, you know, been along or got that association with a football club. But I, I suppose the only, you know, the only thing you can sort of um, link it to, if you like, is it's a bit like a family. You know, you've got that, you know, that group of people that you know, a club. You know, I, I just cannot understand how anybody could, you know, could change a loyalty from, you know, one football club to, you know, to, to another. You know, you've got that connection. You might drift away from it, but you never sort of lose that connection with the uh, with the club and, and it's that club you'll always come back to. You mentioned the uh, the run in the FA Cup and for a while you know they were playing cracking football there it earned them a lot of money but do you think that meant that it, it didn't really help the push for promotion? I think it's always a distraction at whatever level you are when you're performing um, well in a cup. Um, the FA Cup's a weird competition, really, because you know there's no pressure on a on a side like Luton. You know, we played Wolves, we played um, Norwich, we played Millwall, albeit that we lost to Millwall, but. Uh, you know, there was no pressure on the team. If we'd have gone out against any of them, everyone would have said, well, Luton, they're only a conference club. Um, and, you know, we punched above our weight, really, um, there. But, you know, the players can relax. There's, there's not that level of expectation on them. It's, it's turning out week on week and performing in the league that's the, uh, that, that's the important thing for, uh, for, for any club, really, and at whatever level. Kevin, thank you very much indeed. Kevin Barrett, chair of Luton Town Supporters Club. Justin, do you like to go out fishing? That's not what I meant to play, but do you know what? It, it works perfectly well as, for breaking up the stories. <laughs> a public meeting is being held later today to discuss why a GP surgery in Milton Keynes has suddenly closed. Willem Village Surgery shut last week when one of its doctors resigned, and it's emerged that another doctor who worked there prescribed too many pills to a vulnerable patient who died from an overdose. Well, Dr Sam Muthuvelo is from the Sovereign Medical Centre in nearby Pennyland. They've seen overwhelming numbers of people trying to join since Will and Surgery closed. Uh, good morning, Doctor. How busy has your surgery been since the news emerged about Will and closing? Good morning. Yes, um, it came on suddenly to us and we have suddenly had a flood of patients at the front desk in the waiting area in the car park. They never had such a flow of patients. Uh, We are registering them very speedily, those who wanted to join us. We are trying to be as efficient as possible. And I think up to date, we've taken over a 1,000 patients. There's quite a rise for a 
practice of our size. Is your practice able to cope with this number? Uh, certainly not, certainly not. We have been making representations to the so-called authorities for well over three to four years that something was happening at Willen and they needed to put in in place situations that would stem this. But the sudden closure, sudden closure has caused a heavy workload for us, not only the anxiety that the patients have faced. It sounds like patients could be losing out then as, as a result. Obviously, they're very anxious about losing their surgery, but if other local surgeries like yours are, are, are being flooded, could they lose out on medical care they need? Uh, I hope to God with that does not happen. Patients are anxious from a, a level of anxiety that has suddenly risen in the community. I do hope all the GPs in the local area and the practices will pull together and serve our patients. We have been working here for 25, 30 years in this area. There's no way we want to see this area suffer or the patients, the elderly, the vulnerable, the young ones suffer. It makes no sense at all having given such good service in the area. We want to uh, help them by uh, reassuring them that we are there for them, but there's only a certain number uh, ob- obviously that we could take before we collapse if, if it becomes too great a number. Are, are you at bursting point now, Doctor? Uh, yes, indeed. I have a signal to the NHS England yesterday on the telephone that uh, we have to take steps because I've got to protect our doctors, myself, my staff, my nurses, my receptionists. We have had people, uh, almost uh, my staff, almost close to tears, uh, trying to cope with the flood of patients, and it was almost like a warlike situation, and we have had to adjust to adapt. But uh, the best of Brits come out under the blitz, as it says, and I think we need to race to the plate and do what we can. Patient care will not drop to our existing patients who are already on our books. We will look after them the best we can, as we have done these uh, almost 30 years in the area. Dr Sam Musivelo, I appreciate your time this morning. He's from the Sovereign Medical Centre in nearby Pennyland, um, saying his, his surgery is a bursting point because of the influx. We talked about this earlier in the week, the influx of patients. There were 4,000 patients since that will and surgery closed. We've got to find a new surgery. Where do they go? 08459 455 555. Here's the travel news now with Brooke. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Chesant, the A10 southbound has delays between the New River Trading Estate to Winston Churchill Way. On the M25, there are the usual hotspots of congestion, particularly anti-clockwise. It's slow around Junction 24 for Potter's Bar, and there's queuing between Junction 16 for the M40 to 15 for the M4. Now, a broken-down tanker in Dunstable is uh, causing delays this morning on the A505, heading towards Leighton Buzzard between the A5 and the Total Roundabout. And on the M1 heading north, one lane is closed between Junction 14 for Milton Keynes to 15 for Northampton and that is starting to cause delays. I've checked the trains, no reports of any problems this morning with public transport. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much indeed. Well, coming up in the next hour of the show, Michael Gove wants to lengthen the school day and make the school holiday shorter. Well, on Twitter and Facebook, most of you are dead against it. Good idea or hopelessly out of touch? We'll talk about that and more after the news, hopefully, with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Good morning, it's eight o'clock. The headlines calls for government to take responsibility for extremism. Police tackle gunmen in Boston and gypsy sites approved for mid-Bedfordshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. One of Luton's Muslim leaders says homegrown extremism will only stop when the government addresses its foreign policy. Kadir Baksh is the chair of the Luton Islamic Centre, which was briefly attended by one of four local men convicted of terror offences yesterday. Mr Baksh says he would report any activity which threatens public safety, but the government also needs to take responsibility. They have to take some blame. They have to. They are walking into Iraq and Afghanistan, blowing the hell out of innocent Muslims and you know women, children, indiscriminately. And they expect Muslim and other Muslims to sit here and not, do, not, not take vengeance. Or, or obviously, it's wrong. We know it's wrong. But they should expect this to come. And this is why they set the MI5, the Scotland Yard. They set up Prevent. They set up all these things because they know what they're doing out there is wrong. It's emerged that Rolf Harris has been arrested and questioned on suspicion of sexual offences. The 83-year-old TV presenter and entertainer has been questioned by detectives from the Operation U-Tree inquiry, which was set up following the Jimmy Savile scandal. A significant police operation is underway on the outskirts of Boston after an officer was shot dead at a university campus. It's not clear whether there's any connection with the marathon bombing. Meanwhile, the FBI has released photographs and video footage of two men suspected of involvement in the attacks at the marathon on Monday in which three people were killed. The images show the men, each wearing a rucksack, close to the finishing line where the bombs exploded. Around 200 people gathered to oppose plans to create or extend gypsy sites in central Bedfordshire last night. The council voted in favour of seven sites across the county, albeit by a narrow majority. Its opponents are fighting to fi- vowing to fight on. Richard Beechner from the Barton Clay Residents Action Group says the council's approach was all wrong. If they engaged other landowners and were genuine about trying to integrate, travel a site within the community, they wouldn't impose sites upon the communities. They would talk to the communities first and say, we need your help here. We do think we need to find a few traveler sites in your area. Where would you put the site? A public meeting will be held later to discuss the sudden closure of a GP surgery in Milton Keynes. The Willen Village surgery shut last week when one of its doctors resigned. The other had been suspended. It's emerged that he prescribed too many pills for a patient with a history of self-harm who was later found dead after taking an overdose. Prince Harry and the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge will be visiting Hertfordshire later. They'll be attending Warner Brothers' official inauguration of Leavesden Studios. In sport, Luton Town won their final home game of the season last night, beating Ebbsfleet United 2-0 at Kenilworth Road. Both of those goals were scored by Alex Wall. The weather rained to start, but drier and brighter later with a top temperature of 13 degrees Celsius. That's 55 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Nice of Catherine to join us there for the news. Well, it's three minutes past eight. It's Friday. It's the last hour of this show. JVS uh, is up at nine. He'll be in in about, ooh, I don't know, 12 minutes or so to tell us what's on his show this morning. I've got literally no idea. I'm very excited to find out. We'll have a bit of music as well before the end of the show. A harp-led rock band coming in. Oh, ho, ho. yes, please. I'll have some of that. Lots of things uh, for you to talk about. And the Facebook is on fire this morning with some of these stories, including should school children lose their long holidays and should we make them work nine to five? Well, Michael Gove, the education secretary, thinks they should. Maybe we should send them up chimneys too. Or we'll talk to a school which has one of the longest days for children in the area. They can study from eight until six. And our reporter, Justin Dealey, is on his way to a school to find out the views there. 
Well, I don't know if you heard the show earlier on. We spoke to Liz from Bucks, who was over a quarter of a million pounds in debt. Her and her husband seriously discussed him committing suicide so that she would get the insurance payout. Well, we'll be speaking to a man who helps families deal with these sort of problems. As I said, we've got a harp-based rock band coming into the studio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It literally doesn't get any better than that. And I can only apologise. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR, where it is kicking off this morning. Text 81333, start your text 3CR, or... With all the phone lines free, give me a call 08459 455555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Education Secretary, Michael Gove, says pupils in England should spend more hours at school each day and have shorter holidays. He told an education conference it could help England become as successful as East Asian education systems. Well, earlier on in the show, we spoke to Christine Hood, a retired teacher from Hertfordshire and former secretary of the county's branch of the National Union of Teachers. She completely disagrees with Mr Gove's comments. Soft extremism... That obviously wasn't her. I think this may be her. Michael Gove's a moron. He wants children to be rote learners so they can mechanically regurgitate facts. He doesn't want them to be properly educated. I'm afraid the man is an arrogant middle-class academic snob. Children are growing young people. They need their rest as well as their school time. They need an opportunity to interact with each other, to play, to indulge in personal activities. You know, school is their education, but as growing people, they have other things in their lives as well. The first voice wasn't, but the second voice definitely was Christine Hood, uh, former secretary of the county's branch of the National Union of Teachers. However, head teacher at Bedford Free School, Mark Lahane, thinks it's a good idea and says his schools are starting to do this already. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Mark, why are shorter school holidays such a good idea? Well, well, uh, you said shorter school holidays, longer school holidays um, have pros and cons. But what we know is that students do lose an awful lot of the stuff they've learnt in their previous school year um, during the course of a longer school holiday. And for us, it's not about saying that longer or shorter school holidays are better or worse. I think it's for each school and each family to decide what would work for them. We've had lots of comments on, on Twitter from people um, saying, no, no, we, we, the longer school holidays is a terrible idea, both from, from parents uh, uh, and, uh, sorry, shorter school holidays, uh, from parents and from teachers. Yeah, no, and I can understand that any changes that, um, if they were to happen, would have to be done with local schools moving together on this. I don't think you'd want one school making a break for it and others being left behind, because that would cause massive chaos and disruption for families if their children were at different schools with different school holidays. But I think it's definitely something worth exploring, and I don't think, from what I've read of Michael Gove's speech, he's talking about reducing the amount of holidays people have over the year. He's just talking about maybe having a slightly shorter summer holiday and longer breaks elsewhere, which is what, actually, lots of schools in the Midlands and Eastern Region are already doing, where they, like the um, Brook Western Academy in Corby, always have an eight-week term and then two weeks off all the way around the year. How long are, uh, are the days at your school? So students line up outside our school at 8.25 and the formal school day goes on till 4.15. So that is a bit longer than most local state schools. And if they want to, they can stay back until 8 o'clock in our homework club in order to get on with homework and other stuff like that. And the reason why we did it, actually, I have to take, um, I have to disagree with what Christine Hood was saying earlier on. It's not because we're trying to turn our students into automatons. It's actually because when we sat down and tried to figure out all the really great things that we wanted our students to do in terms of clubs and electives, extra time for sport, extra time for all the really exciting things which make school memorable, you can't squeeze that into the traditional nine till three day. 
There could be, I'm, I'm shocked by, by pupils can stay until 8 o'clock. Is that not no, just... 6 o'clock. Sorry, I thought you said 8 o'clock. No, they can come in from 8 and they can go until 6. Oh, OK, sorry, I, I, I must have misheard. Is that not um, the parents' responsibility to get them home and, and do homework at home? Is that not just longer childcare, free childcare? Um, it could be for, for some people, but none of it's compulsory. All we're doing is we're trying to reflect what parents wanted and what parents told us when we set up Bedford Free School, was one of the attractions would be if there was somewhere where students could go to get help with their work outside of the formal school day. And we responded to that, and that's proved to be massively popular. I mean, we, you know, we opened, we're one of the few free schools that opened last September virtually full. We're completely full now. We've got a handful of places left for September, and one of the attractions for parents and families is that their, their children can have that additional support if they want to after school with us. Mark, what about kids being kids and going out on their BMXs into fields and climbing trees and doing oh, kids totally. stuff? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I'm, I'm a father of three myself. I've got a fourth due in, um, in July, and childhood is very much about that. I, I don't think, though, having a slightly longer school day and changing when we have the holidays precludes any of that. Mark, I appreciate your time this morning. Mark Lahane, uh, head teacher at Bedford Free School. What do you think? Six weeks for a school holiday, is that too long? And is nine to five for a school day, is that too long? 08459 455 555. We'll, we'll do some Facebook comments on that a bit later on. Uh, I know that everybody, I think, who's uh, got in touch on Twitter is against it. We'll have a look at Facebook in a little bit. 08459 455 555. Now, a Luton-based Muslim organisation which works towards better community relations says we are sleepwalking into a landscape full of soft extremism. Its chair, Akbar Dad Khan, is calling on the government to do more to try and stop its spread in this country. His comments come after the sentencing of four men yesterday, all from Luton, who pleaded guilty to terror charges, including discussing blowing up the TA centre in the town. Akbar Dad Khan is the chair of Building Bridges. He spoke to our reporter, Tony Fisher. Soft ex- extremism has perhaps been accepted by the establishment. Um, looking over the last two decades or so, uh, this uh, soft extremism uh, is prevalent in the society and nothing has been done to, to undo it, uh, uh, and uh, and that soft extremism gives uh, uh, elbow to uh, extremism, and uh, then that extremism... One thing leads to another. Uh, one thing leads to another, and uh, so we should be very carefully looking at the general scene uh, in the life of the Muslim community and take steps... And one of those steps could be consultation with the community. And the other step which I would suggest is that a commission be set up uh, to look uh, in, in this area of life and, and which can, which can uh, propose uh, solutions for future policies uh, and actions. But you say the government should do more. I mean, should, should they tighten up on border controls? Or, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you stop the spread of soft extremism, as you call it? Um, there, there, there are many measures uh, which uh, the government should have taken many years ago, and one of the measures could be that they should be looking at uh, uh, of uh, importing uh, um, teachers and imams from foreign lands, particularly from from areas uh, which are well known for their extremist and uh, extremist views uh, uh, and and activities, and. Uh, 
also there are uh, media outlets. They, they should look at importing them, did you say? Uh, yes, the, the, uh, what I'm saying is that they should look at uh, not importing uh, Those sort teachers, of people. teachers, teachers and... Uh, Who are imams, highly influential. Im- imams from, 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 the, from the part, from the th- third world, as far Indian subcontinent in particular. Because they come over here and you say they, in a sense, can control w- what goes on out in, out in the subcontinent. Well, there are... There are uh, it, it, it is a multi-layered uh, issue, uh, problem, which needs much uh, deeper thinking. People should be paying attention to uh, uh, that, how they should be dealing with, with this softer kind of extremism. Well, listening to that is David Kapitanchik. He's an honorary professor at Robert Gordon University and an expert in terrorism attacks. Good morning, David. Good morning. Do you agree with what Akbar Dakar was saying there? Well, I think I do. I think the important thing about the people who've now been uh, jailed and, uh, you know, arrested and jailed is, in fact, local people. Um, It's not a matter of so much as bringing people in from abroad, but people who are local people like these, uh, who are um, members of or closely related to or born with the uh, al-Qaeda, somehow, in other words, somehow connected to the al-Qaeda thing, or try to become connected to the al-Qaeda thing, even though they themselves uh, tend to be largely national people, local people. Well, you're right, lots of people on the Facebook page are saying, well, deport them, send them back, but they're British, They, they could be second or third generation British. Yes, exactly. I think that's the whole point, and I think this is something we have to be concerned about, which is how um, these people, and young young people especially, uh, are, um, uh, if you like, educated and brought up and controlled in a more sort of private, sort of young and youthful way. Um, they can't become involved with these people. For example, in their trial, they were very happy. They'd been making jokes and laughing at each other. They regard this as a great success. Their, their um, you know, um, membership of Al- or relationship to Al Qaeda magaz- uh, uh, organization and so on. Uh, I, I think you know it's up to the authorities, um, you know, to make sure that these young people are. Uh, you know, behaving in a proper way and are not connected in any way to terrorist organisations. How can we... We spoke to someone earlier on from a Muslim centre. How do we spot that these people are perhaps becoming geared toward terrorism? Because it's not illegal to have extreme political views, is it? And disagree with the way the government works. Well, I I myself feel that um, they they do have to be examined uh, clearly if it appears that they are in some way, or there are people who are in some way related to extremist organizations. Uh, what we've seen is that for, for whatever reason, um, they have become involved in some way. Um, they're not people who in any way uh, we can, uh, ex- we can uh, deport or we can deal with until we find out that, in fact, they've been uh, become involved in an extremist or with some sort of extremist organization. Now, there are some things that perhaps ought to be banned. For example, um, it ought to be made impossible for the Al-Qaeda magazine, Inspire, uh, which has instructions on how to make a, 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 
a cooker bomb, a type that's killed three people in Boston, for example, on Monday uh, a couple of days ago. Um, and so, uh, you know, a great deal of effort needs to be put into preventing uh, any al-Qaeda influence on young people. But um, it, it's, it's proving to be rather difficult in this particular case. And I think the, the um, uh, sentence that's been handed and the jail that I've been put into is terribly important. I think it is, uh, uh, you know, you can't let them have easy, um, uh, um, uh, you know, response to what they did. They haven't done yet, these people. They were going to set out to do this. The interesting thing about them is that they hadn't yet managed to carry out any sort of um, terrorist um, uh, event. But, and, and I think this is the important thing, that they, before they are able to carry out some terrorist important thing, the local authorities need to make sure that they're put under control, they're prevented from any membership or relationship to Al-Qaeda or any other organisation. Well, David, we have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. David Capitan-Chick, an honorary professor at Robin Gordon, Robert Gordon University and an expert in terrorism attacks. Right, 8.16, let's get the travel news now with Brooke. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Ian. Well, my speed sensors are showing a queue of traffic approaching the Black Cat roundabout on the A1 heading south. On the M1 northbound, one lane is closed between Junction 14 for Milton Keynes to 15 for Northampton because of a breakdown. Over in Aylesbury and the A41 Fryridge Road, that's busy between the Oxford Road roundabout to the Walton Street roundabout. And in Chesant, the A10 southbound, that has delays between the New River Trading Estate to Winston Churchill Way. Finally, with the M25, there are patchy delays anti-clockwise. It's particularly busy between Junction 16 for the M40 to 15 for the M4. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. Right, it's 8.17. It's Friday the 19th of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Muslim leader from Luton says homegrown extremism will only stop when the government addresses its foreign policy. It's emerged that the television presenter Rolf Harris has been arrested and questioned on suspicion of sexual offences. In sport, first practice is underway ahead of the Bahrain Grand Prix, with McLaren's Jensen Button saying Formula One drivers must place their trust in the sports authorities. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Rain to start, drier and brighter later, with a top temperature of 13 degrees. Coming up, earlier on we heard the incredible story of Liz from Bucks, who was over a quarter of a million pounds in debt. Well, before 8.30, we'll speak to a man who helps families deal with these sort of problems. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen. On Saturday lunchtime, we're taking the Weekend Kitchen to the streets of Luton. We'll be in St George's Square celebrating all things English with top local chef Phil Thompson. Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen. Among the delicious treats on the menu will be golden syrup pudding, pork wellington and a full English breakfast frittata. Come down, meet us all and try out all of the dishes. Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen. Live this Saturday from midday in St George's Square, Luton. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, there was an alarm clock there, and that uh, really shocked me. Popped right out, didn't it? It didn't. It, I, it, yes, it did. I'm going to move on from that uh, innuendo. I've noticed something about you. Oh, what? You like to drop the odd innuendo in, don't you? Who? You! Don't be ridiculous. Yes, you're a very, very naughty man. <laughs> very. A... I've only just picked up on it. Have you? Re- very naughty man. Very naughty. Speaking of naughty man, who's that? Tim. Tim, isn't it? You work with. <laughs> 
Could you please? <laughs> I am. BBC Three Counties Radio is genuinely my new car. Mm. It's number one on my preset. Right. I'm going to delete that and have, I don't know, heart or, or Why? A substandard session. Why? If I hear one more reference. Dog eggs. It's disgusting. Dog eggs. Can't you do it in his voice? Oh, dog eggs. <laughs> oh, I'll go there for a bit And the company thinks he's a little bit of a music fan. And all the mums love it. Dog eggs. Dog eggs. Dog eggs. Dog eggs. He's do- he it's disgusting. Dog- I, know. I know. Anyway, I don't want to do his voice anymore. He confronted me the other day. Did he? What yeah. did he say? Was I don't think it's very far away. Not my voice. <laughs> it's not very far. But it's so Chinese. <laughs> so, um, so I, I don't want to upset him. Yes. But just also dog eggs. Please, can you ask him to stop? It's well, disgusting. you keep saying it. Do I? I was purely calling it a plop. On the, bo- on the big phone in this morning at uh, nine o'clock today, I'm asking, is Michael Gove right to call for shorter school holidays? I've been very interested in your discussion you've been having this morning. Thank you. Pupils and teachers should work harder with longer school days and shorter holidays. That's according to the Education Secretary, Michael Gove. He says uh, that our education system is stuck in the 19th century. The Guardian says his ideas would represent a profound change for schools and quotes a Whitehall source as saying British youngsters must start work working as hard as the Chinese, or soon will be working for the Chinese. Hang on, don't the Chinese make their children work really hard and sew up trainers and things? Possibly. But Christine Hood, the retired teacher from Hertfordshire and former secretary of the county's branch of the National Union of Teachers, completely disagrees with the suggestion of making children work for longer, and on your show earlier, even went as far as calling Mr Gove... A moron. She was very angry, wasn't, wasn't she? she? Yeah, feisty. Well, from nine this morning, I want to uh, take this discussion on. I want to hear your views. Is Michael Go right to call for shorter school holidays? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, someone yeah, posted. Right, a, well, we won't bother then. Well, someone's posted an interesting thing on on Facebook. Well, does that mean the MPs are going to do the same for the same money they pay their oh. teachers? Because they get very long holidays. Yeah. The MPs they get months off. Yeah. Mind you, I've got a lot of... A lot of my friends are school teachers. Yeah. Oh, God, you know what? The way they go on. Oh, they go on. Oh, you know what? I mean, I start work at 8 o'clock in the morning, and very often I'm still marking at 6 o'clock at night. Hello, that's most people's normal work day. And you get 10 weeks a year of holiday. Do they really need it? From 9 this morning. Is Michael Gove right to call for shorter school holidays? Don't get me angry like yesterday. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Did you notice at the end of that, JVS was just starting to bubble up a little bit, just starting to, the, the boil, just starting to turn. I do you like it when he's angry? Now, a, uh, and this is a story we've been talking about all morning, a talented inventor from Bedfordshire took his own life after running up debts which spiralled to £70,000 from an initial £1,500 council tax deficit. Peter Williams from Langford was struck by a train at Biggleswade in February after 16-year struggle over the debt. Well, earlier on, I spoke to Liz Allsop from Bourne End in Bucks, who knows what it's like to be struggling financially. Unfortunately, my husband's business uh, failed and we ended up owing quite a bit of debt. And then um, after eight years as a company, I was made redundant and um, our debt um, just spiralled out of control. We did some silly things. We remortgaged the house and took some loans out to keep the business going. And um, unfortunately, we found ourselves with a massive amount of debt. How big was the debt? Uh, probably around 250000 something like that, with a mortgage and bits and pieces. 
All our mouths have dropped there, Liz. When, when, when you sit down and realise that you've been trying to play catch-up with, with remortgaging and things like that, and it's not worked, and you've got a quarter of a million pounds debt, how do you feel? Well, that was the whole thing. I mean, we, you know, at the time when we, we took it up, we could pay for it, and we didn't envisage not being able to pay for it. And like um, the inventor, we did talk about suicide at one point because my husband had a insurance policy and he felt that if he killed himself, it would pay out and he would give me some quality of life. We can talk now to Matt Buttery, who's the Chief Executive of the Family Matters Institute in Mogger Hanger, which runs the biggest information website in the UK for dads, called dad.info. Morning, Matt. Good morning. Matt, what impact does debt have on people in your experience? Yeah, well, I think it, just like your, your previous caller was explaining, it can have a devastating impact. I mean, I think, you know, it, it, can, it can literally drive people to suicide, as you've said. I mean, I think people often worry about money, and one of the first things we say is, don't panic, but you do need to face things. You know, you do need to sit down and work out how much it is that you owe um, and where you, where you owe those things to, but th- there's no need to panic. I would imagine, and I'm generalising completely, so listeners, please don't jump on me. I would imagine in the traditional setup of uh, of the old-fashioned style house, where the man is the breadwinner, it could be it could be worse for the the man, couldn't it? I mean, I don't think we have a traditional setup, as you said. No, we don't anymore. <laughs> no, I'm going to jump on you, and I, and I would too. But I, I understand what you mean, and I do think that. I mean, we do find that men do have within them that innate sense of failure often when people end up when families end up in debt i mean i think both men and women do and i think that's why so many people bury their heads in the sand about these sorts of issues you mentioned we mentioned suicide is it common in these circumstances when when, because these things do spiral out of control very quickly don't they yeah, and I think yeah, people deal with it in all sorts of different ways. Um, and as you say, uh, you know, as we said, a lot of people will just ignore what's going on. But I think when you, you know, when you start to face facts like you know, two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, well, that's a house. That's you know, that's a that's a mortgage that you might pay off over your entire lifetime if you're on a very good salary. Those are huge amounts of money. And I think when you you know look at it, it is like that. That old saying, you know, how am I going to eat this elephant? You know, it's it's huge, and it's that whole, well, you're going to have to do it a bit at a time, um, and, you know, and take the most important things first, like housing, like your council tax, like your gas bill, um, and then start to deal with some of the secondary stuff. So what advice do you give, Matt? If, if people get in touch with you, what would you suggest to them? Well, if people want, you know, dads, mums, dads, anybody wants to come to dad.info, we've got some uh, articles on there that give help and advice. We also work with an organisation called the Consumer Credit Counselling Service, and they're able to give one-to-one advice. We'd also say, have a look at the Citizens Advice website. There's some fantastic resources um, on there. But the most important thing is, 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 as I've said, you know, that, that you face what you've got, that you work out how much money you owe, and then you start to work out a priority list. And by priority list, what I mean is there are some debts that are much more important than people pay off. So things like mortgage or rent, gas or electricity, council tax, those things are really important. Actually, things like credit cards fall lower down the list. But of course, I think with all of this stuff, that one of the messages is, particularly at this time, that it's really important for us all just to become a little bit more financially savvy. I mean, we, we see people might, like Martin Lewis on the telly and talking about, you know, have you looked at the money-saving websites, have you? But actually, a lot of people that have got loans, a lot of people that we come across that are in debt are actually paying too much money for that debt in interest and charges. 
And if they were able to consolidate it maybe into a loan or if they were able to look at the way that debt was structured, they could actually pay a lot less on top of the debt and actually start paying off some of the debt itself, not just paying the interest payment. And I would imagine, Matt, lots of people think, oh, this could never happen to me. But we're all just, you know, a couple of paychecks, a few bad decisions away from getting into debt, aren't we? Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's really true. And I think, yeah, that in some ways impinges on this benefits discussion that we're having constantly in the media about the fact that for many of us, if we lost our job two or three months, most of us would be in some serious um, dire straits. And I think as well, you know, often also when families break down, um, you end up where both parties incur a lot of debt um, in setting up new houses. And we've seen that time and time and time again, where, you know, maybe dad is coming to us or maybe mum is coming to us and saying, you know, we've, we've been through a divorce, we've got the legal costs, we've got the cost of the houses, and, and I've got a 30 grand, you know, debt round my neck um, and now I'm trying to start a new life so yeah I, I think you know it, it happens to, to many people Matt thank you very much indeed Matt Buttery uh, Chief Executive of the Family Matters Institute in Moggerhanger uh, you can look at dad.info uh, on the subject of uh, Peter Williams the uh, inventor who took his own life uh, Central Bedfordshire Council have said in a statement that the death of Mr Williams was clearly a tragic event but is making no further comment at the moment his inquest has been adjourned until June and the council will cooperate fully with the coroner 08459 455 555 Here's the travel news now with Brooke Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. In High Wycombe, the A404, that's queuing on the northbound approach to the High Wycombe Handy Cross roundabout. And over in Watford, the A41 is looking very slow on my cameras around Junction 20 for the M25. The A1 Barnet Bypass, if you're heading into London, is queuing from Stirling Corner all the way to Mill Hill Circus. In Chesant, the A10 southbound has delays between the New River Trading Estate to Winston Churchill Way. And further north, my speed sensor picking up uh, delays approaching the Black Cat roundabout on the A1 heading south. Brooke Burford, BBC Three counties radio Brooke, thank you very much indeed 08459 455 555 uh let's get the latest news and sport now here's Catherine. getting beds hearts and bugs talking this is bbc three counties radio Good morning, it's 8.30. The headlines, a Muslim leader from Luton says homegrown extremism will only stop when the government addresses its foreign policy. It's emerged that Rolf Harris has been arrested and questioned on suspicion of sexual offences. And protesters are vowing to fight plans to expand or create seven gypsy sites in mid-Bedfordshire after they were approved by a narrow majority of councillors last night. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Luton Town have won their final home game of the season. The Hatters beat Ebbsfleet 2-0 at Kenilworth Road last night. Both goals were scored by Alex Wall and Luton's assistant manager Terry Harris is clear what the long-term goal has to be for the club. First things first, you know, we've got to get the conference, which is a very tough league, very, very tough league to get out of. But we know what it takes uh, and as I said, we're we're working our hardest to... um, to ensure that we can. Watford are at home to Blackburn in the Championship tomorrow. The Hornets will need to win their final three games of the season and hope holes slip up if they're to gain automatic promotion. MK Dons have to beat Scunthorpe tomorrow to stand any chance of reaching the League One playoffs. It's their penultimate game of the season and the Dons are four points from Swindon who are in the final playoff position. MK fans also have something else to look forward to tomorrow. I believe we're going to wear our new kit at the weekend to show the fans what we're going to be all about next season. I think it's a wonderful style of kit. It's very Paul Weller type and that, that sort of type of style I think it really is a good looking kit and we're obviously new kit but have a decent crowd and we're still living in hope 
And Stevenage, Wickham, Saracens and Bedford all play tomorrow as well. The Saris prop Mako Vunipolas won the Land Rover Discovery Player of the Month award for March. The first practice is underway ahead of the Bahrain Grand Prix with McLaren's Jensen Button saying Formula One's drivers must place their trust in the sports authorities. There's been civil unrest in the country ahead of this year's race and a group of British MPs have asked for it to be called off. And doctors expect champion jump jockey AP McCoy to leave hospital later after he suffered bruised ribs in a heavy fall at Cheltenham yesterday. McCoy plans to return to riding at the Punchdown Festival in Ireland next week. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show, the last 30 minutes of my week, including we have a harp-based rock band coming in. Yeah, I know! If you're in an unusual act, and when I say unusual musical act, I mean if you're a harp-based rock band or something similar, do get in touch, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Uh, now, the Education Secretary, Michael Gove, says pupils in England should spend more hours at school each day and have shorter holidays. Well, he told an education conference it could help England become as successful as East Asian education systems. Earlier on, we spoke to Christine Hood, a retired teacher from Hertfordshire and former secretary of the county's branch of the National Union of Teachers. She completely disagrees with Mr Gove's comments. Michael Gove's a moron. He wants children to be rote learners so they can mechanically regurgitate facts. He doesn't want them to be properly educated. I'm afraid the man is an arrogant middle-class academic snob. Children are growing young people. They need their rest as well as their school time. They need an opportunity to interact with each other, to play, to indulge in personal activities. You know, school is their education, but as growing people, they have other things in their lives as well. I was a teacher for 35 years, and I was in school for two, three weeks of that summer holiday, putting my record straight, preparing materials, doing new board displays. A hell of a lot of work gets done in the holidays. It's when schools have a deep clean. The teachers need a break as well. School isn't free childcare. School is education. And boys don't function very well early in the morning. And if their school day is delayed, they actually perform better. However, when I spoke to current head teacher of Bedford Free School, Mark Lahane, he said he thought it was a good idea. So students line up outside our school at 8.25 and the formal school day goes on till 4.15. So that is a bit longer than most local state schools. And if they want to, they can stay back until 8 o'clock in our homework club in order to get on with homework and other stuff like that. And the reason why we did it, actually, I have to disagree with what Christine Hood was saying earlier on. It's not because we're trying to turn our students into automatons. It's actually because when we sat down and tried to figure out all the really great things that we wanted our students to do in terms of clubs and electives, extra time for sport, extra time for all the really exciting things which make school memorable, you can't squeeze that into the traditional nine till three days. Any changes, if they were to happen, would have to be done with local schools moving together on this. I don't think you'd want one school making a break for it and others being left behind because that would cause massive chaos and disruption for families if their children were at different schools with different school holidays. But I think it's definitely something worth exploring and I don't think, from what I've read of Michael Gove's speech, he's talking about reducing the amount of holidays people have over the year. He's just 
talking about maybe having a slightly shorter summer holiday and longer breaks elsewhere, which is what actually lots of schools in the Midlands and Eastern Region are already doing, where they, like the um, Brook Western Academy in Corby, always have an eight-week term and then two weeks off all the way around the year. Well, our bunking off school to drink Alka Pops outside Nissa Happy Shopper correspondent Justin Dealey has been out and about to gauge some reaction to this. Justin, whereabouts have you been and what have people yes. been saying? Hello, Ian. I'm in Luton this morning. I'm kind of fascinated by this deep clean comment uh, which you just played there. Can we do that in the summer? It, I'm live from Hemel Hempstead School for the annual deep clean. Well, I'm thinking maybe BBC Three Counties should close for six weeks and have yeah. a deep clean. <laughs> it's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, Michael Gove's comments, come on, uh, make the kids work harder and give them less time off. You mentioned about bunking off there, Ian. The truancy rate, if this was to come in, I'm sure would go up. That is just my personal opinion. I'm in Lucent. I've been speaking to parents. I've been getting their reaction and this is what they've had to say. Nicky, you have a seven-year-old boy. Uh, Michael Gove's comments. Um, what's your thoughts? Kids going to school for longer and having less time off? Uh, I completely agree as a working parent because uh, it's quite hard to fill the gaps when you're working and they're not at school anyway. He goes to breakfast club and after-school club three times a week, so pretty much does an eight till half five anyway. Comes home full of energy, stays up to about half seven, does his homework, goes to bed, sleeps through the night perfect. See I find this interesting you're saying this would work for you as a parent but also it worked for your child who's seven years old and he enjoys school let's get this absolutely clear he enjoys school. He does he loves it absolutely loves it. He asks to go to breakfast club. He loves it loves his doing his homework he just loves everything about it. And just lastly what's his favourite subject? And please don't say maths. No it is. Wait, <laughs> he on. said yesterday his favourite <laughs> subject was maths uh, no, it is. But he'll he'll sit with a, a book of amazing facts and just ask you random facts or tell you random facts and then correct you every time you want. It he doesn't stop talking. It's infuriating. Your family's not normal. No, no, I know. We were just lucky. That's why we stopped at one. I don't think it'll work. I just think it'll be too long a day. Um, usually by five o'clock he's shattered. When he comes down from school, he's so tired. All he wants to do is have a snack and relax. And I just think they're getting too much homework as it is. Let alone doing a longer day they're children children need to be children for longer and uh, final words here with yourself madam you've got a, a child who's 12 years old going to school how do you think they may feel about this idea um, they enjoy their school holidays going out with their mates as children young children they should be able to have that time um, they study enough during the day between nine and three and I think that's probably about enough for a young child. So what um, you're saying at the moment as we currently stand there's too much pressure as it is? Yeah absolutely there's too much pressure during the school time um, teachers are very strict with the children um, with their damn school uniform and all the other stuff they have to worry about um, exams. My other daughter's just left school um, and she's gone through a lot of pressure um, and now going to college and um, she'll be doing those kind of hours as well and certainly wouldn't expect her to be doing nine till five until her working days it's bad enough for yourself yeah exactly justin can i ask you a personal question yes you can did you well, i think we're, we're both far enough away from this that there can be no recriminations mm. did you ever bunk off school yes i knew this was coming um yes i did i have made various terrible mistakes in my life but uh, i've used them all as, as turning points here well um, can, I, can i say i've made various turning points uh, the yes. mistakes in my life in that I never bunked off school. Is that true? It's true. And yeah, I... mind you're live on the BBC. Is no, that definitely true? I have never, to the best of my knowledge, I, <laughs> I, I, I've never bunked off school. And I wish, and I'm not in any way encouraging you kids, I wish I'd bunked off. Ooh, I wish I'd bunked off a few terrible. times and gone and lived an experienced life. Terrible. I was, um, I was once, I, I tell you this, this is very naughty, I was once very, very drunk at school. Really? Yeah, t- 
twice actually. Oh, God, I'm outraged again. No, I know, I know, yeah, I know. What do you like? I mean, I, I did it once, and I only ever did it once. Kids, if you're listening on the way to school, please, please do not do this. Yes. I did it once because England were playing in the World Cup. You not being a football fan, you wouldn't understand this, but they were playing, I think, at two o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. and I bunked off. It just happened to be an exam day, so I got suspended for a week, and my mum and dad have never, ever forgiven me. Hang on, so you, you bunked off school, and then they kicked you off school? That's yes. brilliant. <laughs> That's what you want, surely. Well, Justin, listen, thank you very much indeed. And we're not in any way encouraging you, young people. We're, we're, we're two very old men just talking about uh, our school days. Twice. Seriously, I know. It's incredible. Uh, David's in Luton. David, what do you think about uh, this? Is Michael Gove got it right? I think he has got it right, yes. Longer, longer think... school days and shorter holidays? Absolutely. And why not... Um... Some schools do Saturday mornings, don't they? Some private schools. What's wrong with that? When you, Education is the start of your life. If you leave school being a bit of a dimwit, that, then the rest of your life will follow on that route. Kids have got to be educated properly, and that means they've got to go to school for longer hours. And um, this ex-teacher who called Gove a moron yes. and a middle class, um, whatever it was, she should have a good look at herself. Would she? That was Christine Hood. If, yeah, uh, Christine Hood. Yeah. Would she have liked if her pupils, in in when she was a teacher, started calling her names? Well, I'm sure they possibly that's did. What she's done to go called him uh, quite ignorant names, really. Um, so I you think don't think you don't agree with with Christine Hood? You don't think Michael Gove is a moron? No, no, I mean... Saturday morning, David, Saturday morning, sending kids to school on Saturday mornings, that's when they watch Going Live, that's when they they kind of... That's one of the joys of being young, is is having Saturday mornings to yourself. But but I bet if you look at the schools, the private schools that do a Saturday morning, those children will leave that school much better educated than some of the kids that leave school um, today that that just do the six hours... um, you know, and do nothing at the weekend. David, stay there. Mary and Hemel. Mary, did, what do you think? That kids should go to school on Saturday mornings? That's David's idea. Yes, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I'm afraid, Ian, you're a bit out of touch. Children don't come out of school now and go playing on their BMXs. For a start, they don't exist anymore. And children come home now, sit at their computer, play on their games, and are not out in the streets playing, but nor are they interacting with other children. Well, qu- quite often, when they are playing video games, they are interacting with other children. Yes, sometimes in a very bad way. But my, my grandson, he, well, one of my grandsons, he goes to a private school, goes on Saturday mornings. Usually on the Saturday mornings oh they're doing all sport. Loves it. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. What, what, Mary, what's wrong with letting kids be kids? And what, lying in no, bed watching Going Live, live or, or Tiz Was or... I've got Saturday afternoons, I've got Sundays. You know... Saturday afternoons and Sundays. Days, children get bored, they get into mischief, they don't go out playing. But that's what being young is all about, is getting into mischief. I agree, they should do, but they don't. People, Parents are worried, there's a paedophile around every corner. What? The children don't particularly want to. They would rather sit at home, as I say, on their computer games, their video games. They don't want to do that anymore. And that stupid teacher... That Christine teacher Hood. ...turning around and saying children learning by rote, which is... I learnt by rote yeah. 
did you, I don't, you might have learnt by rote. Didn't you do your tables? I did my times tables, but I, do you know what, Mary? I couldn't learn my, I, don't, I, I couldn't learn my times tables by rote. It didn't, I, I, it didn't work in my head like that. Okay, I, I thought it was quite I an unhelpful way. Rote, I think most people did learn by rote in past generations. Now. Yeah. And what happens is that when you go out to buy any some, some simple thing, yeah. often you find without realising it, you're doing it using your times tables. Right. But the, the thing, David, would you agree, the thing about learning facts and things by rote is y- it takes away the ability to think and solve problems. David? Well, of course it does. Um, y- y- your brain is in your head yes. to, to, to learn things. Now, calculators, for instance, in school, in my opinion, is, is absolutely ridiculous because mm. people can't add up things youngsters now without using a calculator they can't do it in their head and and it's wrong that 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 won't see them through life david mary can i can i say something that some people this isn't necessarily what i think but some people may be thinking this you're just two old people having a whinge and you're not in touch with the modern (laughs) world no No, listen ian got children leaving schools now who can't read or write who are uneducated they're not learning uh, like history, as we used to have it before, you had to read books and learn. Now they pick out isolated facts and just go by that. And exactly. they're uneducated. And you can see by the answers, some of the children or people nowadays, young people, teenagers and twenties, are asked routine questions, anything in the high street, and they're absolutely sick. Mary, David, thank you very much indeed. I appreciate uh, your input this morning. Mary and Hemel and David in Luton. Well, they both think that yes, longer school days and um, shorter holidays and possibly even going to school on Saturday mornings. I've just been informed by my team that going live isn't on anymore. I guess maybe it's, it's Saturday Superstore. I'm not sure. But uh, it seems a little bit harsh, isn't it? Where's the joy? Where's the excitement? Where's the play? Where's the fun? Is it a bit harsh? Facebook, Drake says, I'm on Gove's side with the holidays. Rebecca says, learning does not always take place in school. Kids learn a lot through play too. Graham says, Mr Gove, get with the real world. Come and work in a school for a month and then decide. The children are exhausted after six weeks and need the break. More teaching time equals less quality. And Stephen says, Michael Gove is just so desperate to leave a legacy, good or bad, that the guy never thinks before he opens his mouth. My daughter has three after-school clubs. What are all these businesses that rely on this time going to do once we collect our children, feed them, bathe them and put them to bed? 08459 Right, it's 8.45 now. Let's get the travel. Here's Brooke. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A1 southbound is slow on the approach to the Black Cat roundabout from St Neots Junction. That'll take about 10 minutes to get through there. In Chesant, the A10 southbound, that also had delays this morning between the New River Trading Estate to Winston Churchill Way. And the A1 Barnet Bypass, if you're heading into London, is queuing from Stirling Corner all the way to the Mill Hill Circus. Now, finally, in Watford, the A41, that's queuing on the approach to the M25 at Junction 20. And I've checked the trains. No reports of any problems this morning. Public transport's running to schedule. Brooke Burford, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you. Thank you very much. Right, 8.46, it's Friday the 19th of April. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Muslim leader from Luton says homegrown extremism will only stop when the government addresses its foreign policy. 
The television presenter Rolf Harris has been arrested and questioned on suspicion of sexual offences. In sport, Luton Town won their final home game of the season last night, beating Ebbsfleet United 2-0. Coming up Friday, bit of music. We're going to be finishing off the show with a harp-based rock band. Yes, that's right, a harp-based rock band. Before that, though, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. We've got some showery rain around this morning. A mostly dry picture now, though. Brightening up nicely. There will be some spells of sunshine, just a bit of cloud coming and going, but certainly a brighter afternoon. I don't think it's going to stay dry for very long, though. We're going to start to see some showers build again, and they could well line up in places. So it will just be shower after shower after shower, and they'll be very slow moving as well. So don't be too surprised to see one or two heavy downpours into this afternoon. I think most likely towards parts of Bedfordshire, Eastern areas of Hertfordshire as well but uh, we could see them just about anywhere to be honest some brightness some sunshine in between temperatures between um, 12 and 14 degrees that's 40, uh, 57 in Fahrenheit getting all my numbers wrong this morning it's around average really for the time of year nothing special but the winds will be a lot lighter than yesterday now for this evening and overnight we're going to see clear skies some mist patches into tomorrow morning and temperatures dropping off very quickly a widespread ground frost so gardeners beware even a few pockets of air frost as well a very chilly start to the weekend but the weekend is looking fine and dry with some lovely spells of sunshine around particularly on Saturday a cold night again on Saturday night into Sunday if you're watching the London Marathon we'll see some sunny spells across the capital as well and temperatures by the afternoon up to 13 or 14 degrees that's the forecast thank you very much Tackling your consumer problems. Sylvie wasn't happy with the quality of her telephone line. Kate's having problems with her leaky garage roof. The JVS Show. Five times they've not turned up for the appointment. I've still got the leak, which is obviously getting worse. Fighting for your rights. I went to speak to your telephone company and I said, look, what on earth is going on? The JVS Show. Have they managed to fix the problem with the internet? Yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. It could not, well, it would not have happened without your intervention. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. It took one phone call from yourself, whereas I've been trying for over six months. The JVS Show. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. OK, we've got some very exciting music coming up, but before that, Ken from Dunstable wants to talk about Michael Gove. Ken, do you uh, agree that we should shorten the school holidays, lengthen the school day? Absolutely not. I mean, there, there is no reason to do so. My opinion, I mean, I've been listening to quite a few comments on the radio today. Yeah. And my opinion on it is it's not about schooling that's the issue. Do you think that little Johnny from around the corner, um, who doesn't like school, is going to be educated any better by spending longer hours at school? If he doesn't want to be educated, he doesn't want to be educated. My, my particular point on this, it's not to do with education, it's to do with parenting. If you've got a family that encourages children to learn and have got a, a regime set in where, you know, the children are happy to learn, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many hours they're at school, they're going to learn, they're going to do their homework, they're going to do what they want to do. Um, I just think that trying to make kids stay longer and take away that fun... Um, it's ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. Ken, listen, thank you for that. I'm just um, moving on so we can get Paul in before we get the band. Paul from Long Crendon, what do you reckon? Yeah, we were talking about longer time in school. We put a caller a couple of minutes back mentioned um, kids playing on computers and computer games yes. and not kicking footballs about anymore. Now, let, let's be fair, some games are silly and poorly. Some are very good. There's a lot of interactive stuff goes on in computer games and computing activities. So let's say 
since the 20s, kids have come home, done as they do now on computers, and someone said in 2013, I oh, know, let's scrap all that, don't kick a football around in the cold. Yeah. We, we'd question it, wouldn't we? We would question it. And, I and I, a lot of people say, oh, yes, it's all very isolating, and they're, they're sitting on their own playing games. Well, firstly, they're quite often they're not. They're playing with their mates online. Right. And right. secondly, I can't think of anything more isolating and uh, self-indulgent than sitting on a sofa reading a book. Like it. There we go, you see. Right. So, yes, likes it. He likes my... Uh, ill-thought-out arguments. Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, well, after nine o'clock, JVS is asking, is Michael Gove right to call for shorter school holidays? You can call now 08459 455 555. I'm being quite brief with those phone calls from Paul and uh, Ken because I want to move on to uh, our musical act. I'm joined by Schrodinger's Strings, a harp-based rock band. You don't get to say that very often, a harp-based rock band. Uh, we've got Carol, Steve and Eddie. They're from Luton and Hartford. They're in the studio now. First, Who's going to be the spokesperson? Or you can all speak if you want. Uh, we were all nominated. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we've got two harps, two tiny harps. Why, why, why is it? I was expecting a big, massive kind of thing. Hers is slightly bigger than mine, but it's not by much. <laughs> what, what, where did the idea come from, Carol? Well, um, Steve and Eddie uh, used to jam together, yep. and, and I bought a harp and started learning, and I started to join them yep. and, and, and practices, and we played at some open mics around Hartford area, yep. and we really started to, to enjoy playing together. And yeah, we, we, we it went down well. More yeah. and more, we played some open mics, we started getting invited to play gigs and, and festivals, and we really, really enjoyed that, and uh, it's just really taken off from there. We'll talk more, and we'll find out how people can get in touch. Uh, can you give us a song? I'm hoping you can. You brought your gear in, so I would be disappointed. <laughs> Pointed if you did, to be honest. <laughs> the way you, what, what are you going to play for us? Uh, it's a bit of a medley thingy. Okay, a bit of a medley thingy. I love a it. Let's have it. Thingy. Away you go.
Excited. What a lovely way to start. Look, even Catherine Boyle, grumpy Catherine Boyle on the news, has messaged down brilliant exclamation mark. That was superb. <laughs> do you do many gigs? Do you go out and play lots? Yeah, we're getting very busy at the moment. Really? It's really, really taking off for us, yeah. What, what kind of places are you playing? All over the shop. I mean, one of the big ones is going to be the Hartford Music Festival, uh, Rock at the Castle on the 4th of August, which is always a, a great event. Yeah. Um, in the in the castle grounds in Hartford, um, organised by Kev Saunders, and there's just loads and loads of bands playing. I love stuff like this. Is there? Have you got a website, or can people? How can people come and find out about you? We have indeed. We've got a Facebook page. Yep. Um, just look up Schrodinger Strings. Tap us into YouTube. Um, there's lots of stuff on YouTube about this. I love it. Listen, we're running out of time. Can can you give us another song? Now, don't think me rude, but we may use you as the bed for the travel as well. So if I kind of just raise my hand up, that means we're going. To, if I start talking, we're going to the travel. So if you can stop singing but keep playing, because it gives a bit of class to the travel. Yeah. You hope you don't think I'm demeaning your no. wonderful talents. That's right, Steve. Singing this one, not oh, me. <laughs> Steve. Don't take it personally, no. will you? What, what have you got for us now? Bit deep purple for you. Yeah. <laughs> Of course you've got a bit of Deep Purple. Well, we do Iron Maiden and Metallica. Oh, oh, man alive. In your own time, away you go. It sounds fantastic. Steve, sorry to interrupt you. We do have to go to the travel. You keep playing. Let's get the latest on the roads and the trains with Schrodinger Strings as the backing. Let's go to Brooke Burfitt. Brooke? 
On the A1 southbound, it's slow on the approach to the Black Cat roundabout from St. Beats Junction. That'll take about 10 minutes to get through there. In Chesant, the A10 southbound adds delays between the New River Trading Estate to Winston Churchill Way. In Watford, the A41, that's queuing on the approach to the M25 at Junction 20. And on Marlow Hill in High Wycombe, it's crawling along, heading into town. Now, I've got an update on the trains for you as well. London, Midland and Virgin, they have delays of up to half an hour now between Milton Keynes into Euston. That's following a signalling problem. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much indeed. Doesn't this sound fantastic, eh? This is Schrodinger's Strings you're listening to. Go and find them on Facebook. You can YouTube them as well. I can listen to this all day. This is the rest of my day sorted. Thank you very much indeed. Oh dear, it's a shame to bring it to an end, but we do. I'm back on Monday at six o'clock. Thank you very much everyone who took part and who listened. Do stick around. Coming up next, JVS. Till then, ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Friday... And on today's big phone-in, I'm asking, is Michael Gove right to call for shorter school holidays? Pupils and teachers should work harder with longer school...